0: At the end of time, thirteen
1: o'clock.
0: It's like progress. <laughs> hey everybody! Hey, What's up? Here. We're Try all talk
1: shit before these songs. We're always coming. like in the middle of a conversation, yeah. like when I was yeah. starting the thing. Yeah, <laughs> this is gonna be a good show. This case, holy crap, you guys! Okay, yeah. so it's two books. Yeah, I had never heard of this, and I kind of feel like a lot of people haven't heard of this. And you know, I'm I'm a true crime junkie. You guys know. Um, but I had never heard of this. And I think even somebody commented on Monday night's show when I said what the show was about, they were like, man, I'm from Minnesota where this happened. And I never even heard of this. So it's like, so I'd never heard of it. And it actually, um, our listener Mutt sent us two books about it. Uh, both of which I actually did have time to read. Um, you know, I just actually, this one, this longer one, I just finished like today, Um, Because I was kind of taking notes, like, the whole time. But I did read both of these. Holy shit, this story is crazy. And it's just, like, not even... I mean, the murders are terrible and bad enough and everything like that. But all the shit that happened after the murders is also kind of insane. So I'm actually kind of surprised that, um, (laughs) that this isn't better known. I did look... There were a couple of other YouTube like there was a documentary about it actually there was one documentary about on youtube that i thought was about the murders but it wasn't it was just about the mansion like the history of the mansion which is also interesting um there i think there were like two other documentaries like kind of about the murders but even like some of the big true crime podcasters had not covered this one so i would really like to thank mutt for sending me these books because i don't think i ever would have found this case on my own And this case was fucking bad shit this is bad shit
0: yeah great (laughs) She told me a little bit of it
1: Yeah I told her a little bit of it last night But like all of the details And I can't cover everything obviously that was in this book But I was like reading this book going no fucking way Oh my god this is like so this is crazy I'm like surprised more people don't know about it But uh, yeah Zach said that mansion is my dream It's gorgeous And I saw like um, there was a YouTube video of a guy Who was just like touring it like inside Because you can tour it it's a tourist attraction Kind of one of the biggest tourist attractions It's in Duluth Minnesota Um, And it has 39 rooms And it's gorgeous inside it's gorgeous. Here's the thing. Like, I looked on the website, because a lot of people say, because there's, like, hauntings and shit, too, although I didn't go too much into that. I did watch a video that was about hauntings, but it wasn't really all that interesting. It's just like people were saying, like, "Oh, I heard screams coming from outside the house, and I'm just like, yeah, whoop-de-doo. It's not that big a deal. Um, the, the real shit that happened around the house is a lot more interesting <laughs> than, like, the paranormal shit. So... A lot of people said that it's like, oh, you can tour the house, obviously, but um, the tour guides are under strict orders, like, not to talk about the murders. That is apparently not quite the case. Um, I don't think that they talk about it as part of their regular tour guide spiel, but if you ask them about it, they will tell you, like, truthfully what happened. They don't hide it or anything like that. And the justification that they gave on their website was that, well... You know yeah a lot of people are interested in murders and stuff but that was one night this house has had like a lot of history that's interesting besides that and we so we don't want to focus so much on that you know we want to cover all the other stuff too if you ask us about it we'll talk about it but other than that they don't so it's so that's kind of what it is so before we're like just as a broad outline what happened with this was that this happened back in like i said it's in duluth minnesota it's a very famous house in that area like i said that you can tour and stuff and in 1977 two women were murdered in the house one of the woman one of the women was elizabeth congdon who at the time was the owner of the house she had inherited it from her father and she was like super super wealthy she was like an heiress Uh, at this point she was fairly elderly she had had a stroke and was kind of bedridden um she was actually smothered to death with a pillow also murdered was her nurse who i believe is in her 40s who was beaten to death in the head with a brass candlestick. Now, who they thought did this, and we'll get into all the particulars like in a bit, but who they thought did this was the husband of one of Elizabeth Congdon's adopted daughters, who may be legit a crazy person. I mean, she's not a crazy person, but I think that she has some real issues. And is possibly, allegedly, maybe a serial killer. (laughs) Um, Just depending. She was never convicted of that. She was convicted of some other things. But there are a lot of suspicions floating around about her. Um, As far as I know, she is still alive. Uh, I think she would be about 91 years old at this point. She was in prison for a time, but she got out quite a while ago. I believe she lives in Tucson, Arizona. Um... But, yeah, I think she's still walking around. But she's 91. I don't think she's going to hurt anybody now. But, you know, possibly a serial killer. For sure an arsonist. That's She was convicted of that. But this woman, I think I said that when I was telling Tom about the book last night, I just kind of went like that. And I was just like, this fucking woman. <laughs> I was just, And she got away with so much shit. If she did, like, a quarter of the stuff that they suspect that she did, but probably couldn't prove, like I said, she's legit a serial killer. And she's kind of one of those women that, for whatever reason, is real good at manipulating people into doing shit she wants. Even though she's not like super hot or nothing like that, but she's just like really good at doing that. And she's also one of those people that's real, she's just always got a scam going. She gets, she's always got a scam going. And then when somebody calls her out on it, she like plays a victim. Like, I don't know why you're picking on me. Like I have all of these health problems and I'm a wonderful person. And I do this, that, and the other thing. Like I've known kind of people like that in my life. So I kind of know what they're getting at with that. But I don't know. This fucking shit is just crazy. It's crazy. Um, Zach says, I love mock Tudor houses. I believe it's Jacobean, but um, I'm not actually sure. That's what it was built to to look like, you know what I mean? Because I think the reason it's called Glen Sheen was because the man who bought it, who was like an, he was like an iron magnate. Um, and he wanted it to look like the English country houses. Like I said, the, from the Jacobean era and they called it Glen because it was like in all of these, um, woods and stuff and then they the sheen was from the some English village that supposedly his ancestors had come from or something like that so that's why they called the house that you know what I mean but like I said I'm not even going to be able to scratch the surface of all the crazy shit that this woman did but I I did like take a lot of notes so hopefully this I don't think this show will be five hours long I know I always kind of say that but it's it's a lot <laughs> it's a lot so I don't know. So like I said, so I gave like a little bit. Do we have anything that we need to talk about before? Um, no, not that I, not that I know. Of. Like anything that we kind of need to cover? Before? I think we might
0: be able to roll it. Is there, there's nothing, um, nothing hanging or nothing uh, we need to announce? No new patrons or anything like that. I
1: don't think. No, okay. I would normally have written that okay. down. All right. Yeah. Then. Yeah, Danny said it was Colonel Mustard with the candlestick. Yeah, it's it is very clue like this murder, um, except. I was saying to Tom, I was like, um, this murder, I mean, they were pretty sure they knew who did it, but it's technically unsolved because the person who was convicted of doing it, the conviction was overturned, like, a few years later, and then they never convicted anyone else of it. So technically, it's unsolved, but everyone's pretty sure that they know who did it. Although it's possible that that wasn't what happened, but unlikely, in yeah, my
0: opinion. It.
1: Iris remind reminding you that last week was almost five hours. I know. Yeah. I try to like, but here's the thing. I get so, and particularly with this case, because I had a whole book about it. Yeah. And it's just kind of like, so I had a bunch of notes written beforehand, like, that I got just from various other sources. And then when I started reading the book, I was like, oh, that's good. I got to put that in. Oh, that's yeah. good, too. I got to put that in there, but too. I'll tell
0: you one thing. <laughs> long videos, oh, they were really helping me out that fucking trip to Mississippi. And well, back. there you go. I was, uh, I was driving that Reddit, uh, that Reddit Toyota and I listened to them,
1: Wang. Wang
0: the whole way. Yeah. And I was looking for his like four and six hour show. Yeah, it's you know really I mean? good. Because it's just like it kills a lot of time quickly if you're working or you're traveling. Yeah. Yeah, one long one fucking takes. It's a cool, but yeah,
1: what I do a lot, like if I'm yeah. working on, like if I get a really big graphic design project that I know is going to take hours and hours, yeah. like I'll usually put on like six hours of scary stories. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like from B-Busta or Mr. Nightmare or something like that. Yeah, you like don't that. get as
0: many commercial interruptions. You don't have to choose another one. You just let it ride.
1: Yeah, you just kind of like, you don't yeah. have to worry about it going to, and finding another video and stuff. Right. So you can just kind of listen to it in the background. Yeah. Like, yeah, I do that a lot Yeah,
0: Wangs come out with big compilations now. He's posted. Those, yeah, those they're are great actually. They're great, yeah.
1: Although there's some on there that I can't watch because they're too gross. Too, gross. You're talking about <laughs>
0: setting cats on fire and catching dudes. Oh yeah.
1: yeah, well the one we started watching, like that was like the first case and we were both like nope yeah
0: <laughs> no nope. i don't like to hear about animal cruelty. no i don't i, don't I can like... handle human uh, human on yeah human cruelty i know that's fucked it.
1: up but it's like yeah you can i can yeah. i hear about shit being done to humans all day long yeah. not necessarily innocent humans that kind of is fucked up too but at least a human knows
0: what's happening
1: yeah anytime like they start talking yeah. about like people doing shit to animals i had a hard time yeah. watching that documentary don't fuck with cats because yeah. I did watch it, but I was just kind of like, oh God, I hope they don't fucking show the shit because I don't want that rattling around in my brain. Yeah, animals
0: don't know why they're being killed. They don't know what 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 they've done wrong. Well, it's like like
1: doing it to a baby.
0: Yeah, it's like doing it to a baby, yeah.
1: Which is, you know what I mean? It's like, Jesus Christ. At least the human knows that they've
0: fallen into the hands of a psychopath and it's not fucking normal what's happening. Right. You know. I mean. (laughs) Which helps them fucking understand what's happening. This dude's crazy. Yeah.
1: But yeah, I mean, Wang will do like whole shows about like, you know, the famous, you know, cum jars and stuff like that. And I'm just like, mm, no, thanks. That's pretty nasty. I like those stories. <laughs> I can't watch it without gagging. <laughs> I think, I think some of it was fake. Well, I'm sure it was. I think those dudes, cause that was dudes, that
0: was just fucking dudes on the internet trying to gross each other out. It'd be easy for those
1: guys to fake. Yeah, out. it would be easy to fake it, but yeah. still just thinking about it. Yeah. Even if it is fake, even just thinking about if it was real, like makes me want to throw up. Yeah so so I have a hard time well like that's why they it. did it I know
0: yeah.
1: well it worked good job yeah 14 yeah. year old basement dwellers yeah 14, 15 year old <laughs> boys trying to gross each other up you made me kind of want to throw up yeah. so yeah there's that um, <laughs> yeah Danny says long shows are the best though yeah, I mean, as long as I don't get, like, so inebriated that I lose track of what I'm doing. Yeah,
0: sort as we're at the end of it, we're not quite sure what we're talking about.
1: <laughs> well, like I said, the sidetrack show doesn't matter as much. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because we're just talking about bullshit anyway. Yeah. But uh, these ones I kind of like to keep a little bit uh, coherent. But, yeah, so um, so this house here uh, was originally built by, like I said, um, his name was uh, Chester Congdon. Who was a big mining magnate? Now, the interesting thing was that he was kind of like. I I know there's kind of a thing that, like, in Americana, that it's just, ooh, these rags to riches stories. A lot of those are kind of bullshit like because i kind of feel like a lot of the people that make a shit ton of money they came from families that already had shit tons of money but you do kind of hear the occasional rags to riches story and chester congdon seems to have been one of those where he came from kind of a working class family um he was a little bit older like i think he was in his 40s and then he just so happened to come across this you know, he, he invested in iron in a place where nobody else thought to invest in it, blah, blah. And he ended up getting super, super, super wealthy. I mean, that's a simplification, but that's basically what happened. So he's the one that ended up building this house, Glensheen. Like I said, it's a 30, 39-room mansion. It's on the shores of Lake Superior. And it's beautiful, as you can see from the pictures. And like I said, you can still tour it uh, nowadays. you going to show the pictures? No, I don't well, have I the pictures of. Well, there's pictures all, all over Google. I don't no, need I don't no need right. to be doing that. All no, right. You know what I mean? Sometimes I'll get if there's like a particular video or something I'm talking about, I will, but it's like normally I'm just kind of like I don't want this to turn into a slideshow again, you know no, what I right. mean? Um, so yeah. Now, so here's the thing. So Chester had a bunch of kids. Now, his youngest daughter, whose name was Elizabeth. Now, she was the woman that would eventually sadly uh, end up getting murdered in 1977. But that was his youngest daughter. Now, kind of unusual for the time, because I believe this was around the 1930s that she did this. She never married. Um, apparently... And by all accounts, I have never heard... And I did quite a bit of research about this. I've never heard anybody say a single bad word about this woman. She was like an angel on earth. They said she was just like the best fucking person. It's like, even when she had all this money, she never flaunted it. She gave to charity, like, all this money to charity. She was super generous. And it's like, and she was just like a really, really nice, like a good person. But for whatever reason, she just didn't really... Wasn't into the whole marriage thing. Um, I heard a story that when she was younger she had a suitor that asked for her hand in marriage, and she was just kind of, she was nice about it, but she was just kind of like, nah, not really my thing, or whatever. And he was cool about it too, which is good. Um, but he was so distraught, I guess he was so into her, that it's like he took the ring, threw it in the lake or something like that and he never married like the whole his whole entire life he (laughs) never married anybody else because I guess he was just like so hung up on her so that should tell you something like fuck all that yeah fuck all that yeah but yeah she never married the weird thing about it though was that in the 1930s which was very unusual she want decided she wanted children but didn't want the whole husband situation so she actually adopted a daughter in 1932 and then later in 1935, she adopted another one. So I guess if you have a lot of money, they'll let you do it. Because like I said, very unusual in the 19... Particularly in the 1930s to let a single mother... Well, it's even unusual nowadays. They usually like to have, you know, at least somebody that has like enough money that they know they can take care of the kids. You know what I mean? If you're single. If you got so, money, it
0: solves all That's
1: soft. what I mean. So I guess Look that's probably... That's probably... Yeah. yeah so he's... that's probably what the case was. <laughs> even back in the 1930s, yeah. if you had as much money as she had, because she was, you know, an heiress then you could kind of do what you wanted. So she did end up eventually adopting two daughters. Now, it was the one that she got in 1932 that's going to be a source of a lot of the problems. So that one uh, was actually born... Her original name was Jacqueline Barnes. Now, she was born in July of 1932 um, to, I guess, an unwed mother in North Carolina. Now, so... Elizabeth goes and adopts her and changed her name to Marjorie. So now her name is Marjorie Congdon. Like I said, this is the woman that will be the source of a lot of the problems. 1935, three years later, she adopted another daughter named Jennifer. Now, both of the girls were brought up at Glen Sheen, and had obviously the best of everything. This was an extremely, extremely wealthy family. Um, You know, they had horses. They had pretty much, like, whatever they wanted. You know what I mean? Uh, They went to private schools, boarding schools, all that kind of stuff. Rich people shit. You know what I mean? The thing about Marjorie, though, and a lot of people said this even from when she was younger, was that Marjorie kind of had some problems. Like, she was a little bit troubled, I guess, when she was as she was getting older, people started like noticing stuff. Now it seemed like it was probably the case that she might have needed some discipline and some structure in her life. Um, but I don't think Elizabeth really knew what to do with her other than just giving her whatever she wanted, which is not great for this type of person. But on the other hand, I think Marjorie, considering what we will know about her as the show goes on i think she probably has like a lot of mental health issues that i don't know if parenting would have fixed you know what i'm saying now they did say that marjorie was quite introverted um a little bit i don't know if i'd go so far as to say antisocial, but she wasn't real gregarious or outgoing or anything like that uh she was quite spoiled And, um, you know, because she was used to getting what she wanted. She was very bossy. uh, They called her that, too. Um, And later on, like, she was having such problems that at some point, Elizabeth, her mother, didn't really know what to do with her and was advised to send her to, like, a psychiatrist. You know what I mean? So it must have been pretty egregious. So when she was 16 um they sent her to this place uh called the menninger clinic in topeka kansas for like troubled adolescents at this point she was reportedly diagnosed as a quote unquote sociopath remember that for later (laughs) because that will definitely come into play so they noticed that even back then so this would have been what the 1940s or early 1950s um, they recognized that there was something the matter with her, like, even when she was a teenager. Um, so there was that. Now, one of the things that stood out to me that was in the book um, of something that she did, One, like I said, she was real spoiled. So... She decided that she really wanted a horse, like a lot of girls do. She's a horse girl, and Tom says, horse girls are crazy. They're fucking crazy. Well, this, I worked in the industry. That is true in this case. They're, got nice, sure. They're nice. They're
0: nice. they are just there, There's always just a streak of crazy in horse girls. <laughs> <laughs> Especially if they've been in this industry for a long time. They start getting in their 20s and 30s, and bitches are crazy.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, this bitch was for sure crazy. Yeah. I don't think it had anything to do with horses, <laughs> but yeah. So she she very badly wanted a horse so her mom who was always i mean like i said her mom was not one of those was like oh i'm buying her love or anything like that she was just kind of like she had wanted children really badly um she wasn't married and she's just like she adopted them so she appreciated them so she wanted to give them everything i think it was kind of more of that kind of situation so marjorie really wanted a horse so her mom bought her a horse as you do and after a while marjorie didn't really give a shit about the horse anymore like she didn't really want to take care of her she's just like care of it or whatever i think it was a male horse actually but um she's just like eh, fuck it whatever so at this point elizabeth is like well you know we could sell the horse to someone who if you don't really want to take care of him anymore or you don't want to ride him anymore then we'll sell him to somebody who will take care of him and stuff like that not too long after elizabeth made this decision apparently one of the stable hands or somebody that worked on the estate or something walked into the stable and saw marjorie in there feeding hay to the horse and they thought it was a little bit unusual because she like i said she didn't really like bother with the horse anymore so the stable hand was like well i wonder what the fuck is going on with that and then he said that she acted like super shifty like she turned around like oh shit like she wasn't supposed to be in there and she dropped some shit and ran out and they said when he looked in the the handful of hay that she had, there was a bunch of pills in there. She's trying to kill the horse? So she was trying to poison the horse because yeah. she didn't want anyone else to have it if she couldn't. That's yeah. what they thought. They did save the horse. Though. The, the yeah. horse was fine, and he got sold to somebody else, so yeah. it was okay. Because I was worried about that. I'm like, what happened to the horse? He was fine.
0: She probably had no idea what she was doing. It would take a lot to kill a horse. with you... That was yeah like human medicine.
1: I, yeah, so probably. probably. I don't know exactly lot, what the yeah. pills were. Probably. But, and best. I think she was a teenager at this point. Yeah. So I think her only thought was, oh, well, they're going to sell the horse if nobody else can have it, if I can't have it. Even though she wasn't willing to take care of it. So you can kind of see the sort of mentality we're dealing with here.
0: Yeah.
1: Now, the interesting thing about Marjorie and her Damn. sister, Jennifer... Um, They weren't particularly close when they were growing up. Marjorie um, always said that she never felt as though she belonged in the family. I mean, they were both adopted. But the thing about it was that Marjorie, like I said, was very introverted. And she would just like kind of hole up in a room and read. And like, you know, the servants never saw her. And she wasn't real outgoing or anything like that, like I said. While Jennifer was actually a lot more outgoing and she was real friendly and you know, and everybody in the house just loved her to death. Also Jennifer looked a lot more like their mother. Like she was real fair and had blonde hair and stuff. Whereas Marjorie was kind of more dark haired and she had like a little bit of an olive skin kind of thing. So she kind of felt like an outcast, I guess. Um, so there was kind of a lot of stress and tension in the household because of that. So, um, You know, just to please their mothers, they would kind of, you know, they both were bridesmaids at each other's weddings. But you know that, like I said, they didn't really get along. And I'll kind of get a little bit more into that later on after some bad shit happens. Um, But Jennifer eventually married and moved with her husband to Wisconsin. Now, in the early 1950s, when Marjorie had, you know, was had grown up a little bit, she moved to St. Louis, Missouri. And ended up marrying this guy named Dick Leroy. Which, Dick Leroy, that sounds like... It's like a porn name. It sounds like a porn name. It does, yeah. I mean, his real name was Richard. Leroy doesn't sound as much like a porn name. But for sure, Dick Leroy. Everybody called him Dick. So he was an insurance executive. Now, these two would be married Mm. for about 20 years. And would eventually have seven fucking children. They had seven children. Now... Dick Leroy, I'm just going to say his whole name like that because it's so amusing. Um, He got transferred to Minnesota. So they moved to Minneapolis and then ended up moving to this neighborhood, I think called St. Louis Park or something like that. Now, the neighbors at that point, they said that Marjorie was very, what they called industrious. They said she always had a project going. Like she was always spending all this money to beautify their houses and stuff like that. Like I said, this is kind of... It'll all come into play, like, later on. Um, Also, one of her other neighbors said that her children always looked immaculate. Like, they always had, like, super fancy, like, expensive designer clothes on. Never had a hair out of place. Um, You know, everything was ironed and pressed and everything like that. Said she loved to throw parties. um, And it was always, like, super formal. Like, people would come over and she'd have this really fancy, like, three, four course meal or whatever. Like, she had all the silver and the china and all that kind of crap. Um, and it was just very... According to Dick, the husband, um, I don't know if he knew that Marjorie was essentially an heiress. The thing about it was that when Elizabeth Congdon, who was the last daughter, surviving daughter of Chester Congdon, who was the guy that had built Glenchine Mansion, um, she was the last one. So when she died, all of the all of the heirs, like all of her children would get um, a bunch of money. like there was a whole bunch of trusts like set up for all of them. and they had even set up trusts for for both the adopted girls and like a bunch of um, Elizabeth's other you know relations and all of their kids and families. Like I said, this was a very wealthy family. So I'm not sure if Dick knew that his wife was an heiress who was in line too, but she certainly lived like she was one. And she kind of wanted everybody to know that she came from this big, because she was raised in a mansion with servants and shit and had horses and everything. So she was kind of like used to living that way, I guess. So <laughs> I also heard, and this might've been a little bit later, but this was another thing that I read in the book. Like a lot of people that knew her, they said, well, she was kind of, um, loud and kind of like pushy and abrasive and stuff like that but she was like super super generous she would like buy people like really expensive shit um you know make gifts for them and stuff like that so a lot of she did have a lot of friends like a lot of people thought she was really nice so like when shit happened later like about the murders and everything people were shocked however one of her friends did say that being friends with her was like a roller coaster Mm -hmm. because they were like one day she would be, like, the most generous, awesome, nicest person ever, and she would just give you the shirt off her back, and she would do anything for you. Um, and then the next day, like, if she did, if you did something that she thought was against her, like, she would be, like, super vindictive, and she would just, like, so she was kind of like that, you know what I mean? I kind of feel like it was, what do they call that? Bipolar. Yeah, like, yeah, it might have been something like that. Um, but I was thinking of something, like, not narcissistic personality disorder, but Antisocial personality disorder? I can't even remember what it is. But it's. I kind of felt like it was something like that. Or it might have been bipolar. There's a bunch of different
0: ones, and they all kind of read like fortune cookies to me. I go, yeah, I kind of see that in certain people. I see some of that in myself. It's hard to say. The, you know, the psychology... This,
1: this, well, the this. thing about it, though, is that to have to be diagnosed as that, it's like there's a long list, and you usually have to have like most of the shit on that list because yeah. everybody has one or two things on the list, you know what i mean? They're just describing dickheads. <laughs> Pretty much yeah. yeah. Different kinds of dickheads. Different. Of yeah, different flavors of you, dickheads. Yeah. Fucking <laughs> dickhead. Yeah. And this chick I don't know if dickhead is the right term. Um I'm I'm kind of hard pre- I've known people like this but I'm kind of hard pressed to put my finger on like a word of like a single word that I would use to describe her. Like I said, we'll get more into it. Maybe you can think of something, but yeah, so she was clearly very um, concerned about her image. She wanted everybody to know that she one had a lot of money and had all this refinement and everything. And two was like a super cool person. See, that's what I mean. I don't know. Entirely, if she actually was, like, if there was some part of her that was, like, a really cool, generous person that was like, oh, yeah, I'll give, you know, my friend this, like, car or whatever. Or if she was just doing that so everyone would think she was awesome. I think, I suspect it was the second thing. Because I think she was, like, like they diagnosed her as. I think she was a little bit sociopathic. So I think everything that she did was in service to her own image.
0: This rub is working out.
1: I'm enjoying the rum. We've been just been
0: fucking with the rum past couple.
1: Yeah, years. I got a rum and coke.
0: Yeah, I got rum and passion, passion fruit, fruit and that juice. I grew out in the backyard,
1: out of the garden, out of the garden. Like I said, that's yeah. some organic farm to table yeah. shit right
0: and the, there. And I spiked it with a little bit of lemon juice that I grew on the lemon tree out there. That's right, making food, bitches. <laughs> making, making food, fu- making the food that
1: I make the food out of. <laughs> Like I said, we didn't make the rum. Mm-mm. Although, if we grow some sugar cane, I guess we could probably do can that. Make rum. That sounds kind of hard. But, yeah, we could probably. you got to get a still. Yeah. We haven't, we haven't got to that. We haven't got to that point yet. you got to buy a lot of sugar. Yeah, it is a lot of sugar. There's a lot of, lot of things that you need. Yeah.
0: You, it's not free. I'm not sure. You could You could probably make it in bulk cheaper than you can buy it. But it's probably a situation kind of like ice cream. You cannot save money make ice cream.
1: You, I mean, it costs good. more to make the ice cream than it's it is good buy. if you make it because yeah. we used to make it when I was a kid because like, we had like the little ice cream maker thing it requires a lot it. of cream and a lot of eggs it's delicious but it's not really worth it it's not I worth mean. the money unless
0: you probably were to buy it all in bulk and make a shit ton of it but yeah. you probably have to make 50 gallons of it
1: because crap man you can, just, you can go buy we got some Publix ice cream the other day I think it was like 2 gallons for $9 or something yeah. like that and that shit's delicious. No, it was a
0: gallon for nine dollars. So it was a, two half things.
1: Oh, two half gallons. Yeah,
0: okay. yeah. Public's ice cream is fucking great. It's almost as good. It's as good as Blue Bell.
1: I think it is. Yeah. Yeah. I got
0: some Blue Bell ones in Mississippi. Blue Bell fucking strawberry man. That shit was. I forgot how good that was.
1: I haven't had Blue Bell in a while. But you know, we'll okay. get we'll get back to that. We'll get back to the show. Oh, actually, or when you go get another drink, like put some more ice in my shit. Okay. My shit all like all right. please because it all melted. So uh, so yeah. Um, but like I said, a lot of the friends... So, like, this one woman who was a neighbor of theirs, like, after they moved... Because they moved around Minnesota for a little while. And um, some of the houses they had were, like, large. Like I said, they were trying to put on a good face. Like, look how much money I have and everything like that. Now, one of the ladies that was the a neighbor of theirs said, yeah, man, like Marjorie was so cool. And it's like, she, um, like the lady that had once lived in their old house, like she was pregnant. It's just like, man, she gave us all these maternity clothes. And she brought, when I was in the hospital giving birth, she brought me like all these strawberries and she brought me all this stuff. However, this same woman also said she was like a compulsive liar, which is another thing that a lot of people said about her. So this she's kind of a weird woman. So her husband Dick was still working At this point, I think he kind of stopped working later on because she was like, Oh, I got all this money, so don't worry about it. Um, But he did have an office. However, Marjorie, um, who claimed later on that she's like, Well, I really never learned to handle money because when she grew up, she just always had whatever she wanted, which I guess that's kind of legit. But she just spent money like it was nothing. Like she would just go and shop. She would just spend thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars like um, on shit for her kids on shit for the neighbors on shit for the house. She would just spend it like without worrying about it. Now for a long time, Dick, her husband didn't know about any of this, but then he starts getting bills like, because I guess they had joint accounts, right? Right. So he's like, so I'm getting, he's getting all these bills. He's like, what the fuck are these for? I didn't spend $54,000 on whatever it was and everything like that. He's like, what the fuck is happening? And then she would always kind of like come up with some kind of story. You know what I mean? What ended up happening was that Dick, the husband, would end up asking Elizabeth, his mother-in-law, for money, like to cover the bills. Cause he's like, we're going to get like, foreclosed on or whatever because she's spending thousands That's like she just she spent money like she had unlimited money and they didn't have unlimited money she thought she did she thought she had unlimited money wasn't her money like she had the thing about it was she had a trust like from her family but it gave her like a stipend like a monthly I don't even remember how much it was I mean it was a lot Sounds but like one
0: of those compulsive shoppers, like yeah. yeah,
1: she just seemed like she just spent and spent and spent, and she just like wasn't more even. They used to have about.
0: this on this fucking television shopping channel. What's called QVC, yeah, and it was just these people all day long selling you these items and people buying it. It was back before the internet, it was just telephone.
1: I mean, I'm pretty sure that shit's still on.
0: It's probably still on.
1: I think it's still. And on. And
0: evidently, like data came out that overwhelmingly, who was buying that was fucking compulsive shoppers, and they were broke, older women, yeah, single. In trailer homes, trailer parks. And then they end
1: up being, like, hoarders. And they're hoarding, yeah. Because we see it. that a lot if you watch hoarders. Yeah. Like, oh, my God. The women that are on there. And like I yeah. said, I always say this because I feel like the first few seasons of Hoarders, I think they gave, like, a skewed perception because it was almost all women. Hoarders it's are more likely to be men. But they hoard yeah. in a slightly different way, like, for slightly different reasons. Yeah. But the women that they had on there were, oh, well, they were all about the QVC. Yeah. Either that, or they were real into thrift stores. Yeah, because I mean, if you go to the thrift store and you're like, "Hey, this is only a dollar. Hey, that's only a dollar," and then suddenly yeah. you spent like five hundred dollars. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, and then they have it in a bag, and then they throw it in a corner, and they never find and them. they never even open it. Yeah, and and that's that QVC shit was doing that, which
1: is crazy. Well, yeah, because yeah, yeah. some of them ordered shit from Kiwi's they never even opened the never box. Boxes.
0: They, they just
1: them. because the high that they got was from buying the shit. Yeah, they and don't would, really give a shit and about talking no to the
0: salesperson it. over the phone.
1: Yeah, because they, they, they're, they're lonely.
0: Yeah, yeah, they interact
1: because there's obviously a lot of emotional issues that yeah. they're dealing with by the shop. Yeah, and
0: they're buying just costume jewelry and bullshit little statues.
1: Yeah, shit that they and like I said a lot of times they never On even a take credit it out. Card. They never even take it out of the box. Yeah, they don't have
0: the money. They just got credit cards.
1: And I'm sitting there thinking how the fuck do these people get all of this credit? Like they won't give me any more Eventually. credit. That's for sure. And I don't do that shit. You got all of us credit cards that are fucking maxed out. <laughs> well, I know that, but it's like they probably do too. <laughs> you pay it though, at least. But I do pay them. Yeah, yeah. that's what I mean. I do pay yeah. them all. We need to get that shit paid down. Well, I know, but I'm just did, saying. So, give Jenna a super chat here, <laughs> so I can pay my credit card. All. I have. Like, I get
0: credit cards. I got my credits. great.
1: Well, yeah. Well, you didn't don't find even out start. Married get...
0: you. <laughs> <laughs> you? Find out married you probably affect my credit, far as I know. Nah, I won't. You don't think so? It'll be all right. yeah I got I got a fucking I got a fucking Citigroup preferred credit card offer saying you're pre-approved for this shit fucking just call us
1: yeah but I get those too yeah and like if you do call them they're like no yeah but I've seen my my credit rating is good well yeah they probably give it to you they wouldn't give it to me my shit is
0: between used to be excellent now I'm just very good
1: but the thing about it is that yeah. like I said, I know that you were kind of like scared about that, but I'm just kinda of like but I do pay the bills. I'm yeah. not late on them or anything like yeah. that. So you know what I mean? So you it's just gotta get a
0: windfall we can pay some of that shit down. Yeah,
1: I would like to kinda of like pay yeah. and honestly, like compared to some other people, I yeah, know Yeah, it's not that bad. It's not really that bad. Yeah. I mean, I don't have that much credit card debt. Like I was and, with it when
0: you spend all that shit.
1: Well and the thing a long about time it, ago. Well, and the <laughs> thing about it is that 90% of it was necessities. Yeah. I needed it because it's like, oh, I lost a job, she and it's like I had to buy groceries made, yeah. or gas or yeah. something like that. It just all, and it all added up, you know what I mean? A lot of it. In about a three-month period. A lot of it accrued like after my divorce. Yeah, it was about a three-month period. You know what I mean? Because I had to yeah. buy shit for my apartment, and I had yeah. to buy, pay to move and get a new car and all that other kind of crap.
0: Give me that shit. I'm going to get Give me that shit. Give me that shit. <laughs>
1: allison says i don't like the people who also hoard animals i know i hate that and you always kind of see it too like the on the show and it's like they have all these cats or dogs something like that And i'm like man that's fucking that's fucked up making those animals live in those fucking conditions it's like they've got to be sick you know what i mean ugh it's awful and they're just like they're they're just living in their own filth you know what i mean because they're just like oh we're just gonna let the dogs and stuff like shit all over the floor it's horrifying Like I said, if you want to live like that, fine. But it's... I mean, that's not great either, obviously. But... Because they don't know what they're doing. But don't fucking voice that on the animals. They don't know. Um, Tequila says, hey guys, you're doing my show. (laughs) Got here late, but so excited. I'm glad you're excited. We haven't got too, too much into it. But we have started talking about it. Which is crazy, because we don't usually start talking about the actual topic this early. But we did, actually. But we haven't even got to... I went over the murders a little bit, but... We're going to get, like, more into it as we go on. We're just talking about Marjorie. And then when we got into the whole thing about her um, spending problem, then we kind of got off and talking about hoarders. So you know what I mean? So there was that. But, yeah, and I get – because, like I said, I think one of the justifications she gave, like, later on, because she did kind of admit, yeah, you know, I have a spending problem. She's like, but she grew up wealthy, so I guess her entire – childhood she didn't worry about money because she could just have whatever she wanted she would just say hey i want this and her mom would get it for her so you know she didn't really have any boundaries or anything so i guess when she got older she was just acting like well i can just have whatever i want you know not blaming her mom i'm just saying if you grow up like that and then you don't have as much money when you get older it might be kind of hard to adjust to because you're used to just like buying whatever you want so maybe that's true but uh but yeah so poor old Dick Leroy um put up with her shit for 20 years um but the whole time like I said they're pretty much going deeper and deeper and deeper into debt I don't think he really knew the extent of it and it was softened somewhat by the fact that her mom Elizabeth would bail them out most of the time. Like he would go and ask her, "Hey, you know, we got this bill for, you know, twelve thousand dollars, and I can't pay it." And she would write him a check. So it so it was kind of like that. So they kind of sustained. But after a while, he was just kind of like, "Look, I just can't. I can't deal with this anymore." I mean, they had seven kids, and I think he hung around because of that. Because um, I think he did say later that he's like, "Well, I didn't really want to abandon the kids." You know what I mean? But finally, like, after 20 years, he was just kind of like, um, yeah, no, I'm I'm out of here. So he actually filed for divorce uh, in the early 1970s. Um, I think the divorce was finalized in 1971. Um, they determined later, and I think this is an estimate, that over the course of the marriage, uh, she had probably spent... About a million dollars in back then money, which I don't even know how much that would be in 2023. So, like in from 1951 to 1971, they were married. Over that time, they think that she spent at least a million dollars in back then money. Um, one of the things that she bought, and they went a lot into this in Glensheen's daughter, the book that I read that that um, tequila set. One of the things that she was. Because this lady, she was not only like a horse girl, but she was also like a weird stage mom. She got all of her, ki- her her seven kids. She enrolled all of them in ice skating classes, and she wanted them all to be like fucking champions, man. Yeah. So, and that's not cheap. I mean, you know? So seven kids, she pays for all of them to go to these ice skating classes she buys them all of these costumes um like custom costumes and all this other kind of shit um and that costs a lot of money too and she got all of them into horse riding also
0: the fan that send you the book is in the comment section yeah
1: yeah yeah. i know okay, okay. So you weren't you weren't here for oh, a long there, time okay. i already ad- i already addressed right, okay. it um yeah he said i'm planning a trip up to the mansion in a couple of weeks oh that's awesome like take some video of it and like send it to me. I'm fascinated. I just I I didn't I I said this earlier like before you got here, but I was just kind of I was so glad that you sent me this books because I just finished reading that book like today. Like I was taking notes about it like the whole time, and I was just kind of like I probably never would have found that case on my own, but that shit was like fascinating. I was like so into it, you know. Um let's see. Allison says, um Jenny did or would you guys ever cover the um Papin Papin sisters murders. Didn't did we talk about that? It that sounds kind so of familiar, but I'd have to look it up. Um, but if kinda I does sound if familiar. we haven't done it, then we would probably do it. Yeah. There's not enough there for us
0: to remember who that was.
1: Yeah, it sounds familiar though. Got the two twins that went crazy. That's what I thought. I thought it was so, which I think we covered. We did a show about like what, like twins or twin
0: psychosis or mass what, or
1: yeah like um what's that? What do they call that? Probably what they call it. Uh, Fully Foliadu? Foliadu, Yeah. yeah. Madness shared by two. Yeah. We might have done a show about that where we talked about, about it, but I'm not really sure. So I would have to look it up. Um, Yeah, Zach says, oh, that would be $7.7 million today, apparently. So they think that that's how much she spent over the course of the marriage. Mm. Um, like, it was $1 million in back then money. But like I said, that's... And she wasn't even that fine. No. No. <laughs> Well, see, that's the thing. And did I say this like before we started the show? I was just like, not to be, not to be crass or anything like that. But it's just, it seemed like she was able to just like manipulate people into doing shit.
0: Yeah,
1: she wasn't super hot or anything like that. I don't really know. I think like her kids were like scared of her. Yeah. So I don't know if there was something else going on. Beware, like,
0: man! Don't let a woman run through seven point seven million dollars worth of your money. and She's not fine. She's
1: fine. You might have an excuse. But she's not fine okay. Still don't. I mean... Don't do it. Yeah. Especially yeah. if it's just like buying a bunch of bullshit. You yeah, know a I mean? bunch of bullshit. Yeah. Which you know, this...
0: skating kids and shit. And
1: man. the thing about Marjorie is that... And she used this as a defense at her later trial. Was that all that money I spent... You know, she gave it as an excuse. Well, you know, I grew up rich, so I didn't really know how to handle money. Which, like I said, that's... Okay. That's understandable. But... She also said, oh, most of the money I spent wasn't even on me. It was on her kids, which in a way is kind of true. She did spend a shit ton of money getting all of her kids into the ice skating shit. Now, it it seems like only they all kind of liked it, I guess. Some of them were just like, "Eh, I don't really want to do it. I didn't give a shit. Her one son, Steven, was real into it, though. And he apparently was like real good at it. And he won a bunch of competitions and stuff. But the thing about it was that... I will note, and this is not proven or anything like that, but in the book, some of the other people that she knew, like the other parents of the other kids that were ice skating at the same place where her kids were being trained, um, suspected that she might have been perhaps sabotaging the other children, Um, like stealing their custom ice skates or fucking with their skates so that her son Steven would always win. Um, They couldn't prove it. But a lot of the parents there did think that she was up to some shit. I also thought this was interesting. So she had their costumes custom made. If she saw some fabric she liked in a store, she would buy all of it so that none of the other parents could have it. So hers would always stand out. Yeah. Also, she had a seamstress make them. But she would have the seamstress leave the hems undone so she could take the costumes to the training place and sew the hems so it looked like she had made the whole things herself. Uh, so that should give you some idea of like, like what we're, personality that's what I sword. was thinking. That's what it I was sounds thinking. Sounds like histrionic personality. That's what I was trying to think of. Yeah. Thank you. I knew you would come up with it if yeah, I that's went. That's what that sounds like. Yeah. Cause I was just like, that's, yeah. I, now, like I said, there's no proof that she fucked with the other kids' gates or anything like yeah. that, but a lot of the parents there did I'm seem to suspect. Look like Je- uh, this is Jenny's real hair by the way look how pretty her real hair is <laughs> when it's clean yeah when it's clean she got real pretty well it's like sometimes I don't feel like washing it so I just put a wig over it yeah because <laughs> <laughs> it's a pain in the ass no, she's like got, got pretty,
0: hair. <laughs> got pretty you, hair
1: do you need me to uh,
0: trim when there
1: eventually yeah because oh, yeah. I haven't done it for okay. a while so it's kind of long yeah might need to link yeah but so I just. The things look good though yeah they're a little bit I think they're kind of, they're mostly straight I like yeah I like that. They look better when they're shorter. Um, But yeah, so that was just like a little detail I wanted to write down because I was like, well, that is really emblematic of the kind of personality that we're talking about. Very much into her appearance, like how she looked. You know what I mean? And apparently she was real um, strict on the kids. Like she wanted, she was one of those, like I said, it's kind of like pageant moms you know what I mean where they're just kind of like uh, you, they're living vicariously through their kids so they want their kids to be like super awesome so they're like really hard on them histrionic
0: personality disorder is like narcissistic personality disorder but it, it, it's it's one of the varieties of that but one of the things is is they, they like to make themselves look a lot better than they really are they like to think that everybody's out for them that, that all men want to sleep with them it's, it's usually a woman thing um yeah, attention whore. That's a, that's that's yeah. one of the main things with which you.
1: those kind of people drive me fucking yeah, crazy. I can't Living think. vicariously through children, narcissistic
0: yeah. personality it's, disorder. It's a messed that's up. That's where the children is nothing more than just a reflection of her. Yeah. That.
1: So I definitely got a vibe.
0: Moms, I got story. a
1: vibe from that, from the yeah. whole like, from the whole time when she was like making them do horse riding and making them do ice skating. Like I said, most of the kids yeah. really didn't give a shit one way or the other about it, but the one son was kind of into it. Although he quit <sighs> later on.
0: They tend to have a real fake feeling facade to them. Yeah, uh,
1: I got that's definitely the vibe I got yeah. from reading about her.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. Yeah, Tequila said they made a. Yeah, I wanted to bring that up. They did make a movie at Glensheen Mansion. This was when. Um, this was in 1972, I believe, when Elizabeth was still alive. Uh, they shot a movie there called You'll Like My Mother. Uh, it had Patty Duke in it. And the weird thing about it was that it was like a thriller, like about somebody going to meet their mother-in-law, and then there was like a murder involved and stuff. And it's just kind of like, oh, five years later, hmm, something kind of similar happened. You know what I mean? There was for sure a murder. So yeah, I thought that was like pretty weird. It might be a good movie. I don't know. I never heard of it before. But uh, But so yeah. Now, right around this time period too. Um a house that she owned mysteriously burned down. Hmm. Wonder what that could be about. Insurance wires got crossed. Yes. Yeah. Oh, oh, there's out. a lot of that will be yeah. happening. Like, later wires. on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's a lot. She, was, happens she time wasn't time. even trying to like fucking hide it at yeah. some point. Um but yeah, I don't know if this was the first time that she allegedly did this, but she didn't get I mean she was suspected but they didn't really have enough to prove it so it just kind of didn't go anywhere but that was around this time too now at this point so her husband dick has divorced her after 20 years like i said they have seven kids like a lot of them are grown at this stage but i think she still had three or four of them with her that were still younger teenagers so she moves to colorado now i believe her um Elizabeth Congdon's dad, Chester Congdon, I think he also had some land and property and stuff in Colorado. So that, or maybe it was Arizona, but I can't remember. That's why she moved out there. So she meets her second victim. I mean, husband.
0: <laughs> no, he's a victim.
1: <laughs> in not uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> in 1975. Now, this was Roger Caldwell. She actually met him. She'd been going to this like self help group or like a you know kind of. um meeting thing for parents without partners i don't even know if they have that anymore but they had that back in the 70s like somebody got divorced or widowed or something like that and they would go and it was just like a singles type of thing um now apparently he thought she was quite awesome uh she was very outgoing and stuff he was a little more reserved uh some would say maybe um able to be manipulated (laughs) i would never say that but you know some have said that so they got married, I believe, only two months after they met, which is insane. Now, this the thing is, after she married him, now he said later on that um, he did not know that she was an heiress. He didn't know that she had all this money that coming to her after her mom died and blah, de blah. Like, she didn't tell him that at first. I don't know if that's true, but that's what he said. But apparently after they married, she did pretty much the same shit that she was doing when she was married to old Dick L- Dick LaRoy, um, just spending and spending and spending and kind of going to mom whenever, uh, you know, whenever they got in a jam, you know? Um, she had had a fund at some point, like a trust fund. Like I said, she had more than one. She had some that were, I can't remember what all the details were, but she had like, there was a bunch of them that were set up by... The family, like to make sure that all the relatives were taken care of, right? So some of the trusts were like, okay, well, After the person turns 18, they'll get this much every month. Or after the person turns 35, they'll get this month. Or after this person dies, they'll get this much. You know what I mean? So it was that. So she had several. So she had like a trust fund that I think had a few million dollars in it. She blew through most of that. Um, I think after she married Roger Caldwell, she spent another million out of that. She was getting a monthly income as well, which I believe was $4,800, but I'm not real sure. So Zach don't, said that don't this, quote me on that. She sounds kind of like
0: a Joan Crawford kind of a mom. Yeah,
1: I mean, she does kind of sound like
0: Kind that. of, but I, I'm going to disagree a little bit. Joan Crawford was competent. She was a great actress under a lot of pressure because she did not want to be, be a poor person again. She kind of was self-made and came from nothing. And the way Hollywood was, Hollywood was fucking brutal. So yeah, she, she just did not want standards to slip and she knew her career was falling apart you gotta see mommy dearest it's a great movie you guys haven't seen I love that movie Um, but she was not histrionic
1: I mean histrionic
0: people with histrionic personality disorder and this type of disorders like narcissistic they tend to be actually be to be incompetent they're not they're not competent that's the tendency
1: yeah I see yeah I see you know what I'm talking about Crawford
0: actually was defending greatness because she was falling apart. She was getting older as an actress. And in Hollywood, that's a fucking death sentence. And that's
1: what her problem was. She well, was yeah, just that's getting not, older. Not allowed to get older, especially if you're a lady. Not in that era. Nope. Not in that era. You in a start getting little, a little bit of a wrinkle somewhere. They're like, yeah. nope, out you go.
0: And she was a great actress and a sex symbol.
1: Yeah. So she was
0: under a lot of pressure. She took it out on her kids.
1: I mean, there might be some overlap, though, because I was going to say that joan crawford was allegedly physically and mentally abusive to her adopted children and i was gonna say oh i don't think marjorie was physically abusive but then i remembered that somebody in the book like one of her kids had said that her that she had tried to like strangle her at one yeah. point yeah
0: crawford may have had a narcissistic personality yeah and, and a disorder behind it but it it's not exactly what this is so far from what i'm hearing.
1: Yeah. I mean, you'll see how it, how it gets. Yeah. You, you might I mean, get kind of a thing.
0: She has money by accident. She didn't earn it.
1: Yeah, she just yeah. got lo- was lucky enough she to get lucky. adopted right. into like a super super wealthy yeah. family and was brought up like that. Joan made her money. Yeah. I got like it. through her own Right. Sure. Through her own prowess. Which like i said, you do even though she was arguably uh pretty messed up later on, but you, you do have to give her that I mean she clawed her way up from pretty much nothing in a so. really rough time yeah in a time where and she probably had to do a bunch of fucked up shit yeah to get where a she was a lot of casting oh. action oh I'm sure
0: yeah and uh, as I've said before the women that become Hollywood stars in those days if they weren't stars they would have been prostitutes that's probably what they would have been um, cause that would be, and that's kind of where they would go back to if they lost their career. Yeah. So she was fighting to stay above all that. So she was under a lot. She wasn't under normal, modern pressures, you know?
1: But one of the things that is similar <sighs> is that I do get the impression that Joan Crawford also adopted those kids. To look good. To look good. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, so, well, I mean, it's slightly a different situation because Elizabeth Congdon, the woman that got murdered, yeah. I don't think she didn't adopt the kids to look good. And she didn't give a shit about that. Like yeah. nobody ever said that about her. They said she was very private. She didn't, she gave all this money to charity and didn't want any publicity about her or anything. Yeah. She adopted the kids cause she wanted them. Right. Um, now Marjorie was different, but she naturally had all those kids. She didn't adopt yeah. those kids. Those were her seven kids. She pumped yeah. out. Yeah. And But she used them, for sure, the same way that Joan Crawford allegedly used her kids, yeah. like for, like I said, like a pageant mom. She came across kind of like a pageant mom.
0: Well, I think Joan needed kids for a shield because against the, the, the paparazzi of the time to make her look like she wasn't a slut, that she wasn't available. You know what I'm talking about?
1: Now were there because I, I know think this, she had
0: husbands, didn't she? I think Joan yeah. might have been married a couple. I don't think she. Had well, she was married
1: like, to the CEO of Pepsi. Yeah, remember
0: that's right. Yeah,
1: and then she was on the board like after uh, he died. And they weren't I think happy she, about I think that.
0: Joan dated a lot, and she didn't want to look like she was dating. So she had because that had was
1: kind of kids. like a, I don't that think was he, a scandalous people thing. don't really give much of a shit about it nowadays. Yeah, but it's like back in the days of old Hollywood, yeah. it's like if you were rumored to be like gay or a lesbian or. Like slept around or something like that. Like a lot of times, the studios would be like, "You need to look like you need little look Miss like Happy Homemaker right. Family thing," you're right? Um, because otherwise, nobody's gonna come see your movies because yeah. they're gonna think you're gay or, or you're a, hoe. a hoe or something like right. that. So a lot of there were a lot of arranged marriages and shit like that. I was like one. I can't remember what his name was, but I wrote about a case like an actor, kind of like a B tier actor, like from the golden era of Hollywood, who was gay and he actually married his lesbian best friend. Just so they could look, you know, she was like a beard. Yeah. I mean, they knew what was going on. Like, they went into it just so yeah. he wouldn't, like, lose jobs. Now, you know there I mean? were a
0: few Hollywood s- stars, female stars, that got the whole angle to work for him. One of them would be Mae West. Yeah. And she was a gangster, gangster girlfriend. And she knew how to work it. And she was fucking funny.
1: We've Sexy. kind of been wanting to do a show about yeah. her, actually. I love Mae West. She was open about what she did. But she I think she could only get away with that. Like she, only people, she
0: got away with that. Yeah.
1: A lot uh, of people did not.
0: Could and they put her in roles that fit that character. Yeah. But she was open about interracial relationships, open about dating dudes and fucking them and not being married. She was open about that.
1: Yeah. Marlene Dietrich was pretty open about being a lesbian.
0: Yeah. Um but there were only very few that could do that.
1: Yeah, it, seemed like, it almost yeah. seemed like there were exceptions, Yeah, but most of them could not get away with it. You couldn't play that role and then be, you couldn't be that
0: openly and then play like a housewife. Yeah, you a, could only play certain types of You could only so play had, a bad girl. You had to
1: play a villain or, or like, you know, you couldn't be like the ingenue. Yeah, right, yeah, no. Like because no one would buy no. it. No.
0: They didn't want to see Which I get it.
1: that. So they were just like typecast. They were typecast, yeah. Is what it was. But as long as you played a character that was like that, that was yeah. like slutty or whatever, they're like, all yeah. right, that, that tracks.
0: West played slut but funny.
1: Yeah. And everybody liked her. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. she totally got away with that. Yeah. Too. Like I said, we should do a show about her. i do a whole show about her Because I love her. And she like, wasn't
0: pretty. She was short and sexy and funny. Not pretty, though. But you'd hit if you were a guy just because she was attractive. I
1: would also hit. She would hit, yeah. <laughs> Actually, I think she probably would be open to that, too. That's what I mean. Yeah. See, I like that. I like that. I like that openness. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. Okay, so where was I? All right, so, so, yeah. So, as far as I know at this point, like, Marjorie has blown through a few million dollars that came out of her trust fund. You know, she was getting a stipend every month, like, all of that kind of stuff. But she's for sure, like, spent way more than she should have been spending. There was that. Um, she would pay for shit, like, with checks. The checks would bounce. She would go to her mom, and her mom would indulge her, as always. Um, which she probably shouldn't have done, but, you know, she, like I said, she was that kind of lady. Um, but at this point, um, in the mid-1970s, Elizabeth Congdon had a stroke. And at this point, she needed nursing care, like, around the clock. Um, and at this point the she had um i believe it was three trustees of her estate that were you know supervising shit and like seeing that it went to the right people and whatever and at this point the trustees stepped in and said we are not giving marjorie any more money because she's obviously spending all of it and this wasn't what was intended you know what i mean um, cause Marjorie would come there and be like, Hey, I need $50,000 for this or, you know, $100,000 for that. And at this point, like her mom would be like, okay. And would write her a check. But at this point, the trustees are like, okay, now that, you know, Elizabeth is, she wasn't, you know, she was indisposed, I guess. Um, but they're like, at this point, we're just like, not, we're going to advise you to like, not give her any more money because she's just blowing all of it. So at this stage, it's, 1977 and marjorie and her husband roger are pretty much broke because they've been cut off essentially uh their house got foreclosed on um they had several cars all of which were repossessed but for whatever reason well i know what probably the reason is but marjorie still held on to this pie in the sky kind of fantasy that she still was rich so she would call real estate agents and be like, Hey, I'm gonna go I'm gonna go look at this ranch. We're gonna buy this ranch that's like a million dollars. And she would go and tour it. And then she'd say, Oh, I have all this money coming, you know, in in my trust, and it's like that's what I'm gonna pay for this with. But she would go and tour it, like almost like she was dreaming about this fucking life that she obviously could not afford anymore. Um and she's like, Yeah, my mom was gonna pay for all of it. And at this point, um, they wanted to buy a ranch. One of her excuses was why they moved out to the Southwest was because at this point, her I believe it was her youngest son, whose name was Rick, who at this point was seventeen. Um, he had really bad asthma and like some other health problems, and so she said that his doctors had advised them to like move somewhere. Warmer, because they were from Minnesota, you know what I mean? So it's like the cold weather was exacerbating the asthma, blah blah I don't know if that was true. But they're like, okay, we want to live, like, where it's kind of warm and dry. So they are wanting to move uh, to Colorado. Now, so as I said, this is 1977. And at this point, they've pretty much come to the point where they don't really have any money left. And this is right around the time that the murder happened. So in June of 1977 marjorie's mom elizabeth um she was on in her bedroom on the second floor in you know in minnesota in glensheen now across the hall from her was where her nurse would stay now she had several nurses obviously that would come in like for long shifts or whatever now on this particular night the nurse was named velma pietila i think is how you pronounce her last name pietila or pietia i'm not really sure i think it's just one l so that's just usually like an l right I thought it was double L if it had to be, if it was like a Y sound, but I can't remember.
0: Two L's probably.
1: That's what I thought. But she, her name only has one L, so I think it's Piatilla.
0: Okay.
1: So if she was the nurse on duty that night. This fucking saddest thing, one of the saddest things about this to me. Velma had actually been Miss Congdon's nurse for a long time, but she had retired a month before. The only reason she was working this particular night was because the woman, the nurse that would normally be there had, like, some other shit going on and couldn't come. And so they had asked Velma to come back, even though she'd been retired for a month. Um, and Velma hated working the, night, like, the overnight shift. And her husband was like, man, please don't go. It's like, you know what I mean? It's like, you've been retired. Please stay retired. You know what I mean? Like, she wanted to hang out with her husband. They wanted to, like, have retirement together. Um, but she's like, no, I'll just do it this one time. That just makes me so sad. Cause spoiler alert, she got murdered. So she was only there for this one night because she had to fill in now. So she basically is there that night and the lady is there. I think there was only, I think there was one, only one other staff member that lived in the house, which I believe was the cook They had some other staff members, was like a groundskeeper and stuff like that, but they didn't live in the actual house. I think they lived in other buildings, like on the property, you know what I mean? Because it's like an estate. So I think there were only, maybe maximum three people in the house this particular night. I'm not entirely sure if that's true, but that's the impression that I got. The next morning, early, like 7 a.m., the day nurse arrives to relieve the night nurse. Her name is Mildred Garvey. She comes to the house and the front door is unlocked, which she finds very unusual. So she kind of stops in. She says hi to the cook who's in the kitchen. Kitchen, you know, the cook doesn't seem to nothing amiss. And then she starts going up the stairs toward um, Elizabeth's bedroom. And she sees um, Velma lying on, like on the landing of the staircase because I saw pictures of it. There's like a, like a window seat like a long window seat, a bench. And she's laying on there and Mildred's kind of like, well, that's really weird. Is she like sleeping or what's that about? You know what I mean? So she comes up closer and then sees that she's basically covered with blood Um, and is clearly quite dead. So she freaks out, runs up the rest of the stairs to Elizabeth's bedroom, and goes in there, and Elizabeth is laying there in her bed with this pink satin pillow that had like a thing of blood on it. Like just, it was still over her face, and she had clearly been smothered with it. The room was also in massive disarray. Uh, It looked like somebody had ransacked the place. Uh, There was just jewelry all over the floor. Um, other pillows and shit like that, just, like, all over the place. So, like I said, it looked like somebody had come in and, like, robbed them and, like, and killed the women. So, Mildred runs back downstairs and calls the police, obviously. At this point, they did not know if the killer was still in the house or not because they didn't know when this had happened. So... Uh, so basically the you know the nurse she stays on the phone just in case you know the the dude is still in the house or whatever. So the cops show up. Now they didn't find it they went through the house. obviously the killer was gone. They thought at the at that stage that the killer had gained entry by breaking a window in the billiard room on the lowest level of the house because what there was, from what, from the description and like I saw the um the blueprints of what they were talking about, there was kind of like an outdoor, like a not like a screened-in porch, but like an outdoor porchy patio kind of area, like along the back of the house, and the windows had been taken out of that for whatever reason. I don't know if they were repairing them or if they just did that for the season or whatever. So they thought that the killer had just climbed in through that window and then had maybe punched in or busted in with a rock like, the window into the billiard room and then had gone up the stairs. They said, uh, apparently, they were maybe just intending to ransack Elizabeth's room and steal her shit, um, but then, like, the maid, or the nurse, rather, had confronted them on the stairs, at which point they busted her head in with a brass candlestick, which was kind of sitting there, you know what I mean? So, they think that that's kind of what happened. Um... So, yeah, she had a fractured skull. It was it was a mess. Now, they did find the cops... Um, they did an okay job. I feel like they maybe didn't do a great job, but okay. They did find a few strands of dark hair in the nurse's hand, like clutched in the hand like she had fought with her attacker. Now, she had black hair as well, so they didn't know if it was hers, but um, because it was 1977, so they didn't have, like, the forensic shit that we have nowadays. So... They, um, there were a couple things missing from Elizabeth's room. Um, there was the diamond ring that she always wore on her finger was gone. The gold watch that she always had on her wrist was also gone. And later on, and this was pretty weird, (laughs) there was a, she had this ancient coin. It was like a Byzantine era coin. So it was like thousands, a couple thousand years old that was also missing. 1700 that was also missing
0: yeah
1: so and there was also like this wicker basket that had been in the room that was also gone so they thought that the person like i said had broken in through the billiard room gone up the stairs met the nurse on the stairs and then when she started screaming or whatever like busted her in the head then went up and smothered elizabeth and then ransacked the room took all the shit they also thought that he had gone into a little bathroom across the hall um and washed up they didn't find any fingerprints in there but they did find like some blood residue now then he apparently went through the purse of the nurse that he just killed velma and found her car keys and stole her car so there's that too And also left the door of the house unlocked as he left. Now, at first, the cops came out and said, well, it's obviously a burglary gone wrong. You know what I mean? (coughs) So there was that. Now, they did later find the nurse's car. And it was parked at Minneapolis-St. Paul Airport but it was parked in a, like a pretty obvious place. It wasn't like they were tr- didn't look like the killer was trying to hide it or anything. And then in a garbage can at the airport, they found the car keys and like the <coughs> parking ticket for the car. So I thought that was a little weird. So 3 days after the murder, they have Elizabeth's funeral and all of the family members come there. Now, when Roger Caldwell, Marjorie's husband, shows up at the funeral, Um, he apparently had some bruises and stuff and like cuts on it. Like he had a split lip and shit like that. So people were like asking about that. And he said, oh, I got kicked by a horse, which seems unlikely. I've been
0: kicked by a horse. It doesn't do that to you. If a horse kicked you in your face, you (laughs) would knock you the fuck out. You'd have black eyes, fucking missing teeth, broken nose.
1: Stop it. Like I said, yeah, it just bruises it a little split lip. Uh, no. that seems a little silly. No,
0: I got kicked in the chest one time. It threw me about 20 feet, 30 feet. Lucky to have survived it.
1: Yeah, Oracle said you'd be spitting teeth. Yeah. Yeah, you'd think. Yeah. I mean, that's a horse.
0: Exactly. They're fucking strong. Stronger than any man. Well, they can kill you. They can just, kill you. <laughs> right. Just kicking you like that. I got kicked in the fucking center of the chest. <laughs> Threw me that fucking that You're 20, lucky you feet. didn't
1: like. your I woke it up a few seconds later
0: looking, the horse running at me, fucking making fun of me. Yeah, I got you, bitch. I got you.
1: <laughs> I mean, I <laughs> I this is like, goddamn, dude. Knock I'm a little or Leave me alone. Yeah. <laughs> you asshole. Yeah. You're a lot bigger than I am. So yeah, so they thought that was a little weird. Um, also Marjorie was at the funeral like Marjorie and Roger were both at the funeral and people. And this isn't um, you know obviously this doesn't uh, this isn't an admission of guilt or anything but they did say that Marjorie was kind of I don't know if I'd say cheerful but they seemed like she was kind of in high spirits at the funeral and she was kind of dressed inappropriately Uh, in the book they said she was wearing white slacks and like a blue and white flowered blouse which doesn't seem very funerally does it so they thought that was a little strange now so the two of them they came for the funeral people thought that they were acting a little weird um and then they left duluth and went back to minneapolis st paul and they stayed at this hotel now weirdly while they were at the hotel roger caldwell the husband he like blacked out and he got taken to the hospital Now, when they investigated what, like, what had caused that, he had a whole bunch of sedatives in his system. Hmm, isn't that fishy? But he lived. I mean, you know, he was fine. But it was just, like, a little bit weird. So the cops, at first, even though they said to the public, it's like, well, it looks like a botched burglary. But behind the scenes, they were kind of suspecting some different shit. Because as soon as it went public that Elizabeth Congdon had been murdered, several of the Congdon family called the police and said, Marjorie did it, (laughs) basically. Um, They basically said, look into Marjorie and Roger because they were in a fuck ton of debt. They just got cut off by the trustees. Um, You know, she was in line to, I think her, on her um, mom's death, she was supposed to get, I think it was 8.4 million. Um, So there was that. Uh, and matter of fact, when they called Jennifer, um, you know, the, the sister, the, they said the first words out of her mouth when they called her and said, your mom's dead, your mom got murdered, the first words out of her mouth were Marjorie did it. That's what she said. And as the police in, looked into this possibility, family members were telling them some kind of interesting things about Marjorie. For example, many years prior, um, I believe it was in 1971 or 1972, or maybe it was 1973. I can't remember exactly, but it was like, you know, a couple of years prior to the murder. Um, there had been a big family gathering. I believe it was at Glen Sheen. And Elizabeth, the mom, had gotten really, really sick. And then one of the family members said, you know, um, it's the funniest thing, but Marjorie had brought some homemade orange marmalade that she'd made. And she insisted on her mom eating it, even though her mom was diabetic. Like, she's like, oh, a little bit won't hurt her. I'm going to make her a sandwich and blah blah Now, when they did kind of tests later on when, you know, because she was real sick and she went to the hospital, they found, like, all of these sedatives, like, in her bloodstream, which were the same sedatives that were found in Roger's bloodstream, like, after... See, because I think, allegedly, after the murder happened of Elizabeth... I think that Marjorie was like, oh, well, I don't need Roger anymore, so I'm going to bump him off. Because <laughs> that was kind of her Emma. Did they test the mar- marmalade? No, well, they couldn't find... Well, see, nobody reported it at the time, because they didn't... I think, like, only a family member just thought it was funny, and they didn't really think about it after that. Oh. So they didn't have the jar, they didn't have anything like that.
0: I love orange marmalade. I know you do. Um, the thing is, though, is that it's not very efficient to dose an entire jar of marmalade with what it would take to fucking kill a person to- because they're only going to eat a little bit of that marmalade. You know what I'm
1: talking about? I, th- I
0: guarantee it wasn't yeah. marmalade. If I mean, she was poisoned, she she's poisoned another way.
1: Maybe. Tea but tea or what she was drinking. What I heard was that the particular sedatives that she was using were super bitter tasting. And she always used marmalade because it masked the flavor better because it was super tart. But maybe it was in the drink. It could have been, like I said. But I'm just saying that a lot of the family members had suspected Marjorie of being up to some shenanigans like prior to this. You know what I mean? And they just remembered
0: jelly. They're not using very much. So that means that most of the poison that you're using or sedative is is unused. It's in the damn marmalade jar. Yeah. So how much is it gonna take?
1: And then you got the jar left over. They never did find it. but like I said, nobody reported it. So maybe they maybe she grabbed the job. Because she didn't die. Right. They just it's just that she got real sick. Right. And then somebody remembered, hey, Marjorie was like really insistent on giving her this marmalade, so maybe that had something to do with it. You know what I mean? Yeah, but they but didn't think about that until and what later.
0: happens when you cook the sedative in with the marmalade? You know what I mean? Because it's, it's cooked first. does it destroy it? I don't know. I think she's po- if she was I'm sure she had a sedative put it into her you said there was evidence of that
1: yeah probably wasn't like the there was a very high concentration probably wasn't a marmalade nuts. though probably
0: direct somehow
1: there was another way it's possible well like i said we'll we'll see what you what you say like after all of it um okay. <laughs> it's just out the top of my head it's hard to poison food you yeah taste it well that's I'm what a i think. that's yeah and i know all about drugs well, I mean, not, not to scare you or anything, but I have read several books about poisons, and it's like there are particular ones that poisoners use for the reason that they you don't can't taste really much, taste right, yeah. it. Yeah. Right. And if you mix it with particular things, it you masks do. the flavor really well. That but a lot fun. of poisons you do kind of have to watch because they you can taste it.
0: Yeah, but then there's also the amount that it takes. Yeah, that's See, and that's that, another that's thing. That's a big factor. That's another thing.
1: Right. And... Well, okay, so I don't know because this isn't proven, like I said. She was never convicted of anything, So, or she was convicted of stuff, but not this. But the book, Glensheen's daughter, speculated that she had been trying to kill her mom back then, but had gotten the dosage wrong because it just kind of made her mom sick. It didn't kill her, obviously. And that was a couple years before the actual murder. So that was what they were speculating, but I don't know if that's true or not. It's just, but uh, everybody in the family thought that though they suspected her of doing some shit because I guess they knew how she was and they knew that she was always in debt and she had this really lavish lifestyle that she couldn't afford and so she kind of had a motive for bumping the old lady off you know what I mean so she could get the money because she had a bunch of money coming to her like even though she had blown through a lot of the trust I'm gonna say but I think she was still up for 8.4 million
0: women have always notoriously been poisoners (laughs)
1: Well, it's easy. Well, it's it's not easy. You have to know what you're doing. It's not easy. It's
0: also not reliable. No. But but they have been doing it for a long time, especially back in the 1800s. It's easier to get get away with
1: shit. It's easier to get away with shit.
0: Me being a male ex-soldier, knowing all about black operations and fucking drug cartels and fucking the way shit is done through the CIA the best way is always blunt force trauma <clears throat> blunt force trauma is always the most effective if you're trying to hide the fact that a murder was done and the best blunt force trauma is the fall see that's why the CIA traditionally when they killed somebody or intelligence agency killed somebody usually they just threw them out of a window
1: well, yeah. I mean, that seems like to me it's the best way. And depending on where you're at, I was like, wouldn't it just be easier to like push someone down the stairs yeah. or like off a cliff or some shit like that? Like yeah. depending on where you were, so it wouldn't look suspicious. Classic. Or, or have somebody fall out a window. Whoops. Classic
0: intel uh, operatives would throw somebody out the window and leave the window open.
1: Don't like shoot them or beat them nah, to death or something nah. like that. that. Leaves too many. And you know evidence. it's a
0: mur- murder. That's what I mean. If you can throw that them was, out a
1: window. You have plausible deniability. You can say, well, it was suicide. It was suicide, sure.
0: But that was the old era. Before cameras.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Nowadays, they would see the team walking in and out of the building. Possibly in and out of the room. You'd have to be done. super sneaky now. So nowadays. you'd have to really know the layout.
1: It's a lot harder to get away with yeah. crimes nowadays, which is yeah. good. I mean, that's right.
0: good. In some
1: ways, having these security cameras around helps you. Because shit, man, like, reading about a lot of the crimes that happen, because I'm fascinated by, like, poisoner crimes. I don't know why. But, um,. A lot of the poisoner crimes that happened, like in the late 19th century, man, you could get away with fucking anything yeah. back then. Well, holy shit! Look at like fucking Jack the Ripper. He had he didn't even do poisoning. Yeah. He was like in the fucking middle of the street. Yeah. And he just like gutted women in the yeah. middle of the street, and nobody fucking caught him. Another Crazy. backup. Instead of throwing
0: somebody out a window, probably be fucking hit and run.
1: Steal yeah. a car and run somebody over. Also plausible, but still. Yeah. Still too messy. Yeah,
0: but they know somebody was hit and run, but they just can't see who it was. It might have been an accident. You know what I
1: mean? Fucking
0: Plausible deniability.
1: Like I said, I would rather just... Maybe
0: the person just stepped out of the fucking road, out on the road at the wrong time. But really what it was is, it was a hit team that
1: fucking ran you over. (laughs) You know, it, it happens. They still do it. Yeah. I'm just saying... I don't even know if I would risk that. <laughs> Another one that they do, four or five guys grab you, take
0: you to a wooded area and shoot you in the side of the head, throw the weapon on the ground, a fake suicide note. You went out in the woods and killed yourself.
1: <sighs> yeah. yeah, I mean, as long as there's yeah. a question about what I Look up my
0: buddy, Timothy Van, Tim Van Vakia. So what is the army with him? He was in a hit team like that. He's all over the internet. I can show you pictures of me and Tim together and that's what they did. He and his team killed hundreds of people in Central and South America. At behest of the governments in, the, in those countries. And it was shit like that. They would show up as cops and arrest you. In a real cop car. Take you out of the woods and fucking shoot you. And throw you into a fucking pre-dug hole. Yeah. You disappear, Death Squad stuff. Tim Van Vakius, Timothy Van Vakius, Look him up. He's in prison right now. He'll be out though. Yeah, in a couple
1: of years. Yeah, Oracle's talking about it. Says as a diabetic, yeah, that's a red flag. Like somebody saying, "Hey, you can eat this; it's fine." I'd be like, "Yeah, are you trying to poison me?" Uh, my dad was a
0: diabetic man, and he fucking broke those rules all the fucking time. He died well, in seventy-seven.
1: My grandfather, yeah. was also a diabetic. Yeah, and he was constantly sneaking, sneaking shit, little debbies and stuff. Yeah, like when yeah. he could still move around, like he would, because it was a Seven Eleven right yeah. next to their house. Um. And he would just like go over there and buy little Debbies and whatnot. We and he would eat them in his car. He would sit yeah. in his car and eat them, and then stuff yeah. the the wrapper under the. Because I dr- yeah. had to drive his car one time because my car broke yeah. down, and um, that was all. There was like little Debbie wrappers, like, yeah. All underneath the fucking the car seat. My dad injected himself like, oh. with
0: insulin all the time. He had the diabetes, and he was the same way. He ate pretty normally, and his ex- explanation was that he got it early, thirties. He's like. What the fuck is the point of living if you can't live?
1: I says I'm gonna eat what I want to eat. I mean, I just keep it low, yeah. And he lived to seventy-seven. And I mean, that's probably a good way to approach anything because it's like, man, if I couldn't eat like some treats or something good like every now and then, like, yeah, what would be the fucking point of it? Because I really enjoy that. But you just gotta kind of keep it on the down low. You can't just yeah stuff yourself with it. Yeah. Yeah. Oracle said, if I ever eat something carb heavy, my husband gives me a look. (laughs) Uh, also says my other question is does the pH of the marmalade affect the poison's efficacy oh you know yeah. see this is a lot of the stuff that you gotta like think about that's why I said like poisoning is not easy no that's why I think a lot of serious poisoners I think they try shit out sadly on animals like on mice and rats and stuff like before well
0: small doses won't kill you they probably taste it too yeah and then they spit it out they go yeah that's okay
1: yeah uh, Tequilips, who is the one who sent us the books, uh, didn't y'all do a show on that Italian chick that poisoned a bunch of people and then made them into magical soap or something? Yeah. Was yeah. she Italian or was she Mexican? I think Mexican. she was. I think she was Italian, but yeah. I have to go back and think about it. Yeah, that was a while back, but yeah, that was a fucking crazy-ass story. You said Mexican, what a, man. What I little... thought about
0: that Mexican restaurant up the road. We should go to that.
1: Maybe we can go tomorrow.
0: You haven't been in a while, huh?
1: No, I haven't. I haven't been... I got a real Mexican. restaurant. You went without here. me a couple of yeah, times, so I, have, times. I haven't been. I don't yeah. think I've been since that chick was here.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's and right. how
1: many years has that been? Oh,
0: been many years. So I don't. It's a say. lot better than it was. They got new cook.
1: So I haven't even. We got list. a real
0: Mexican restaurant over here in the middle of the country.
1: Well, it's a. It's all ha- the farm. It's farm, half a restaurant and half a Mexican half store. grocery store.
0: Yeah, and uh, most of the guys that work in this area are not really Mexican, but they are Central American. They eat a lot of same food, you know. Uh, you know Honduras you know fucking Guatemala fucking whatever um, <clears throat> Salvador and uh, fucking the food's fucking great man it's Mexican food but like I said and, I've been uh, there in forever yeah it, it's authentic
1: and it's all the guys that uh, are all the farm hands around here they eat there that's where Tom used to. He used to ride up there on his motorcycle just yeah. specifically to get that hot sauce, that brown hot sauce. Yeah. Because they stopped carrying it at Walmart. Some right. some WalMarts carry it. Sometimes they have it. Yucateco. Yeah. Yucateco. Could, you could like tackle. the super hot brown yeah, hot sauce. Yeah.
0: Fucking. It, it's got a damn Mayan name. So he'd it's, go to it's Walmart. Cool it's day, like, yeah. oh,
1: they don't have it today. So then he'd ride up to the <laughs> he'd ride up to the Mexican grocery store. Yeah. Because And that restaurant it.
0: is not cheap. It's expensive, but it looks like a little diner. I was showing it to of my Mexican friend and her Tijuana showed him what I was getting he goes yeah that's it man that shit is good fucking it's, it's, like it's I the said, same pretty. I don't
1: I think you've been there a time or two oh. since then but I don't think I've been there since what was that girl's name? uh fuck I forgot now I'll remember it in a minute that girl that was staying with us from England? yeah 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 she's
0: a British uh, Muslim girl yeah, from Pakistan, British Pakistani girl. How did we She was meet, fucking hilarious. How did we
1: meet her? I don't even remember. I knew
0: her online. Oh, okay. And she, she was coming here. And, and she, she was, was coming to Florida. And she's we said, to okay,
1: you yeah. got a spare room. You she married now. Yeah.
0: Married a uh, an Anglo British guy, and he had. They had a she mixed wedding. She was here for several days. She, yeah.
1: We took her to the. We took her to. A, she
0: took her to the clubs escape. and she. She was fucking naughty as fuck. It's like she had the Catholic schoolgirl problem.
1: She did. Yeah. Damn. Aisha Aisha that's right yeah yeah Aisha. I remembered it at the same time you did yeah Aisha that's right yeah she's. I think in. that we took her to that Mexican place but I think that's the last time I yeah and it wasn't
0: there. that good then it's better yeah, now it was pretty good but it yeah. wasn't yeah it's the best guacamole their guacamole is fucking well, awesome well shit man
1: now you gotta take tamales me, you gotta take me there tomorrow we'll go, we'll go tomorrow either that or we'll go back to that Thai place I thought you had to return some shit up where that Thai place is I do oh, okay. we can do both alright tomorrow's what Thursday Thursday we gotta do gym,
0: and we'll uh, go to Mexican place, and we'll uh, drop off the, the mail.
1: Yeah. Returns. Because I said before, we found a really good Thai place that doesn't even look like it would be a really good Thai place. Because it's in like this whole the wall of fucking strip shitty, mall. It's in the shitty looking shitty strip mall. Strip mall shit whole, and we just good. ended up there like accidentally the place we were going to go to wasn't didn't open. Yeah. So I was like, Oh well there's another one like three miles from here and then we ended up like, Oh my god, this is fucking delicious. It's fucking we're delicious. Gonna, yeah. We're gonna come back here. <laughs> Great Thai restaurant. There's a Thai couple running it. Yeah. There's only
0: like three seats in the whole place. The rest of it's carry out.
1: Man, it was so good. Yeah. I was just like I was saying, I had Pad Thai and I was just kinda like, Oh I I did want, Thai red curry. And we kinda and, kinda and I got fucking
0: a Chinese dish. I got
1: Crab Rangoon
0: But they did it Thai style They had fucking Turmeric in there God
1: that shit was and fucking, delicious Man
0: it was the best Fucking cr- Rangoon that i ever had That is the
1: best Crab Rangoon I've yeah, ever yeah, had was shit. Was And I've awesome. had a lot of Crab Rangoon But that was the best It was like It was like yeah. Pillowy inside It was like yeah, a or It was like Fluffy in Oh it was so yeah. good Cause yeah, I saw so that
0: Crab so Rangoon good. on there As an appetizer And I was like I'm gonna fucking Order something Chinese In the here And see what happens, and it. See what happens. <laughs> Fuck man it was Yeah weird. we were like
1: Man that's no joke that was really good. That was, I mean, easily, by far. That was the best cramping i cram- They're not playing, I've man. I've ever had. They were not playing. That's the best pad thai I've ever had, too. They were good, yeah. And I just got it with pork in it. All right, so where are we? So we're about halfway through. We're about yeah. halfway through okay. the story. It's okay.
0: What's the time, Ben?
1: Um, it's so 9 no, o'clock. No, no. One hour, hour ago,
0: it says it's an hour and something. So our time's good.
1: Yeah. We're at about an hour and a half, an okay, hour so and 20, we, minutes, so 20, 20 minutes. So
0: we might be halfway through it. Um, a little less than halfway. Okay. Thanks for coming to the show. Fucking, we love our regular fans. We are fucking getting about half loaded. I'm gonna make you another drink here. That's only bit.
1: my first drink, honestly. Is it? Because okay. you just filled it up with ice. You didn't put any more booze in it. I don't no, uh, same. So that's so my uh, first. I just remind one.
0: you that the super chats are open, and fucking, we always love to get super chats. Mm. And um, fucking, make sure to like, share, and subscribe. And uh, let me go make Jen another drink.
1: Yeah, share that shit around. Okay. Oscar says, how about a show about the anthrax epidemic and scare? Where? Yeah. Oh, back uh We probably should do that. The middle, I know we've done 11 one thing? Yeah, I know we've yeah. done one about like the Tylenol scare that happened back in the 8 Was that the 80s? Yeah, I think we did a show about that like where everybody's getting poisoned with the Tylenol. But I don't think we've done a show about anthrax. So that's a good idea. We probably should do that. I'll put that in the next poll. Um Danny says, also what ghosts are haunting this mansion? (laughs) Is the mansion still haunted? I have heard that it's still haunted. I saw one video on YouTube where they were talking about it. Um, But like I said, I kind of just like, I thought all the shit about Marjorie was a lot more interesting. There's people have just reported stuff like the most common thing that I saw reported as far as hauntings go was that a lot of people said they heard like screaming like disembodied screaming from outside the house and like bangs and stuff when there was no reason for it. That's, I've kind of heard that a lot. But other than that, I don't know if anyone's seen any apparitions or anything like that. Um, Oracle said, yeah, Tim says, damn it, y'all are making me hungry. I know, I'm getting hungry too. Um, all I've had to do was a bowl of chili, like honestly. <laughs> Tom made some chili with stuff in the garden. And then we, last night, like he went, last night or the night before, he went to the dollar store and got some Fritos and some sour cream. And so just put the chili on the Fritos and the sour cream. It was like really, really good. So it was kinda of like nachos. Uh, Oracle said, My husband and I have adopted two kitties. Aw. Sisters named Freya and Luna. They're three years old. Aw, that's so cute. You'll have to send me a picture. You'll have to send me a picture. I wonder if is um Okay. Our little second kitty, Bambi, our baby, is I I don't know if you can see her in the damn corner she's back in the corner (laughs) like behind if you can see like this white framed thing like behind my thing this little shelf she's all curled up like sleeping in the corner like behind that and she's been there for several several hours um yeah tequila said supposedly there's a picture of an apparition in one of the upstairs windows. yeah I saw that and I saw somebody had taken this weird ass video this was pretty creepy I kind of wish I had saved it but I didn't um, but it was, somebody had taken some video, um, on the tour of the mansion and there's somebody like blocking most of the view, but behind the person, there is what looks like a mannequin, except it's moving like a person. It's kind of hard to explain. Um, cause there's a mannequin over here, like in period dress or whatever. But everybody that works at the mansion said, yeah, there's not a mannequin there. But this person or whatever it is like that's behind that they filmed. It's just kind of like this really weird. It was kind of creepy. I don't know if it's paranormal or not. It might have just been a person that was weird looking and super skinny. But it did kind of look like there was a mannequin behind this person in the foreground. Because you could only see like their arm and like part of their shoulder. And it just looked like a really skinny Woman, but it kind of looked like a mannequin, and but it was moving like a person, and so a lot of people were like, "What the fuck was that all about?" Like they thought that was maybe a ghost or something, no, but which maybe it is. I don't, I don't think so. But it, it looked creepy. I don't have any explanation for it. I have to say, so there was that. What the creepy? Um, no, I was saying that somebody there was a long video about. Um, it was like a paranormal channel, mm-hmm. and they had done. The first part of like the first 20 minutes of it were just a description of the murders and about the history of the house and everything. And then it was like a almost like a live stream with like the three guys and they were talking about hauntings and shit that had been reported at the house. And they showed this video and it's apparently it's on YouTube so you can see it. But there was a video somebody took of the mansion when they were on the tour. There's a person in the foreground like right here and then behind that person There's something that looks like a mannequin, but it's moving, like a person, but kind of unnaturally. Hmm. Like, it's pretty creepy. Weird. And it's, like, daytime. I don't know what it is. It doesn't look ghostly or nothing, but it's, like, I couldn't really figure out what it was. And like I said, there was another mannequin over here, but everybody that worked at the mansion said, yeah, there's not a mannequin there. So we're not entirely sure what that is. Maybe it's just another person, and the person was just, like, super skinny or something.
0: Is that cat gonna sleep all show?
1: Probably. Damn. Damn. She just really likes to curl up and sleep over there. Yeah, she always sleeps in mommy's office. She is like mommy's little shadow. Our
0: voices must be soothing her.
1: Yeah. yeah, she's like seriously. She's like my little shadow. Everywhere I go, if I get up from my office to go somewhere, she, hey, where are you going? Where are, yeah. you, where are you going? And then she tries to flop and like give me like pat her stomach and stuff. <laughs> it's hilarious. But yeah, she follows me everywhere. So I do call her my little shadow. But yeah, so where were we? Okay, so. The whole thing so so they think that marjorie might have maybe perhaps allegedly tried to poison her mom a couple years before her mom was actually murdered so you know what i mean a lot of the family did believe that so the cops are kind of taking all of this into account and they're like okay well we need to like look into all of this stuff now they didn't find any fingerprints um They did find a couple of palm prints, though. But I think it ended up that one of the palm prints, because they were like, oh, these are unidentified. Maybe one of them is a killer, blah, blah, blah. But it turned out that the two unidentified palm prints, one of them belonged to another nurse that worked there. And then the second one belonged to one of the cops that was investigating. So, you know, they weren't super careful, as you can see. So um, they found, as they were doing the investigation in a safety deposit box which belonged to marjorie and or roger they found a handwritten will this will was dated three days before the murders on this will marjorie was signing over 2.5 million dollars to roger as i said when her mom died she was on she was um supposedly going to receive i believe it was 8.4 million dollars So the fact that this handwritten will was found in there, giving him $2.5 million. A lot of people speculated that maybe this was the payment that Marjorie had gave him, or like the incentive. Like, hey, uh, look, I'm going to put it in the safety deposit box. I signed it and everything like that. If you'll bump off my mom, then I'll cut you off a slice. I'll give you like $2.5 million. That's what everybody kind of thought. But they did find that will, and it was handwritten. Um they also discovered that roger had flown to duluth minnesota a month prior to the murders and he was asking he had gone there alone without marjorie even though i believe this was the first time that he had ever met his mother-in-law elizabeth he had never met her before but he flew to the house by himself and he went there to ask her her and the trustees of the estate for seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars because they wanted to buy a ranch him and marjorie um and then they were like no and he was like, Okay, well, can we at least have five hundred thousand because we have all these debts and we're gonna go to jail? And again the trustees said, No. So there was that. There was also and this is pretty weird. So remember I said that from Elizabeth's bedroom there was like that Byzantine era coin? Yeah. So they found yeah, they they said it was worth a shit ton of money. I don't yeah. remember how much they said it was, but they That's said yeah, seventeen hundred. Yeah, ago. it was like yeah, it was like an ancient, ancient. So it would if. have been like super expensive. So they found this envelope. It was in their um, cause in when the um, Marjorie and Roger were living in Colorado, they lived in a motel essentially because they didn't have a lot of money. In their mail slot in the motel was this envelope that was found. Now the envelope was addressed to Mr. Roger Caldwell, but it looked like his handwriting. And like everybody at the hotel and everybody like that said, yeah, that's his handwriting. So it's like he had mailed it to himself, kind of. And it had that coin in it. Now, the thing about it was that they couldn't figure out, they're like, okay, if indeed Roger had sent, had mailed this coin to himself, they were like, why would he do that? I mean, it seemed like at, their theory was, oh, well, he was sending it to Marjorie as a signal that, oh, you know, it, I did it. You know what I mean? But the thing about it, though, was that it didn't get there until after he got back. So they're like, well, what was the point of that then? Like, they still don't know. Spoiler alert. They still don't know why. Um, now, they did say that they found his fingerprint, on the back of the envelope, okay? And they did say that they thought that it was his handwriting. So it looked like he had addressed it to himself, like he had sent himself this coin for whatever reason. And it was postmarked in Duluth on the day of the murders, which, like I said, would have placed him in the vicinity when the murders took place, when he was supposedly, because he lived in Colorado. You know what I mean? So that was like a big thing at his trial. The hair that they found at the scene... Um, was also similar to Roger's. Not exactly, because like I said, this is the 70s, so they didn't really have like the forensic kind of stuff. And I don't think... Here's the thing. They said that the hairs that they found in Velma's hand, like the nurse, were black. Um, As far as I know, Roger's hair at the time, even though he was only, I believe, in his mid-40s, I think his hair was gray. So I'm not really sure if it was her own hair or I'm not really sure, like I wasn't real clear on all of that, but they did say that some hair they found in the house at the scene or whatever was similar to his, similar enough that it seemed kind of suspicious. Um, They also found the blood on the pillow because they think that whether he was the killer or not, that he beat the nurse to death on the stairs and then went up and put his hand on the pillow when he was smothering Elizabeth. So there was kind of a blood smear on the pillow. And that blood was the same type as Roger's. Like I said, it's in 1977, so they couldn't do DNA. It was just like the same type. And I believe it was type O blood, which is common. I mean, I have type O blood, you know what I mean? Not a
0: well-planned murder.
1: Yeah, and uh, I feel like that- Pretty messy. In a way, um, that kind of, well, he, okay, spoiler alert, like he did get convicted at first, but later on, when he was exonerated, and the way that the def- his defense attorney like laid it at the defense attorney laid it out, um, it did sound like kind of dumb. Like if somebody was really doing this for and they didn't want to get caught, like he they did. would have gone about it in a much different way. Right. So that's the only thing that makes me think that maybe he didn't do it. But I still think he. So kind
0: of did So the defense was it was a random dude that came in. And I
1: will it. say too that Roger was a notorious drunk. Right. He might have been drunk when he did it, And, well, yeah, I, I, he kind of admitted that.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. So, I mean, he was drunk, like, all the time. So it's possible that he could have, you know, taken a few nips to, like, build up his courage to do the murder. It
0: turned out the nurse was there. He had to kill her. And sister.
1: then, yeah. Um. So that's why he kind of botched her. He wasn't really thinking about it, clearly. So it could have been that. I mean, it could have been just that he was kind of inebriated you know <laughs> for those
0: of you that are listening to the show recorded please give us a, a, a damn super thanks that's a, a feature that we have activated where you can send us a uh, basically a super chat but it's not live ain't that some shit
1: here comes Pookie hi Pookie
0: so I'm just plugging super thanks
1: thank you for plugging that yeah um yeah tequila says good old mesh Besher yeah that was the name of the defense attorney mesh basher. That was his last name. Yeah, we'll get into that in a little bit. So yeah, so not only did they find this envelope that Roger called well, hey it's Pookie. <laughs> Pookie's coming on the show. She's like, No, I don't want to be on the show. I don't want to be on the show. You took my you took my wrapping paper away. Yeah, she's mad. She's mad. She she went over there earlier because that's where the wrapping paper look, she's still looking for yeah, it. she's
0: looking for the but it's not there. No, I put it away. I took it away.
1: she uh, was like looking and she couldn't find it it. so she went over to the bookshelf and like pulled a bunch of books out (laughs) because she was upset smacked it on her tail and she's like what what it's not (laughs) there Pokey it's not there anymore she's just gonna sit there looking at it sadly yeah where's the paper maybe the paper will come back if you guys know what we're talking about in the last few shows she was over there fucking smacking paper so it was like Christmas paper (laughs) like leaned against the wall over there and she was just like there's no paper
0: Pokey I took it away She's
1: mad. She's like looking at the wall.
0: She's looking at the wall where the paper should be. Where's the
1: paper? <laughs> you want me to put it back? I know you do. No, we're not putting it back. Not You'll make, put too it much back cause you make too much noise. You'll make too much noise. Yeah. And she's like, well, I'm gonna go pull some more books out then. Nah. That's how no, She's mad. looking at Dan. Oh, oh. Don't now wait they for come on face to face to kiss him. Oh, kiss. And she's like, don't hey, fight.
0: They're not. They're not fighting.
1: I think they're friends now. Yeah, they're friends now. It seems like they're friends now. They're going sniffing each other's yeah. faces. I was kinda worried at first because I thought they were kinda Yeah. But they're pretty no, chill. We're friends, no friends now. They're they're pretty chill. So uh so yeah, so they have this envelope with the coin in it. And they know that the coin came from Elizabeth's bedroom. Uh, you know, the handwriting seemed to be Rogers. There seemed to be a fingerprint on there that also matched Rogers. Fingerprint is thumbprint, actually. Um, you know, same blood type, similar hair, blah blah. Also, um, when they went into Marjorie and Roger's hotel room where they were living um, after the funeral, they found a bunch of jewelry in there that looked suspiciously like the jewelry that had been taken from the mansion. Now, they asked Marjorie about this and her excuse was, oh, well, um, you know, me and my mom just had a lot of the same jewelry. That's all it is. So this is mine. We didn't take that from there. A likely story. So as I mentioned earlier, they did find the nurse's car later on at the airport and found the keys in the parking ticket uh, in the garage. So the parking ticket had a timestamp on it of 6.35 a.m., which they said would have given the killer ample time um, to drive from there to Duluth, because like, I think it was 150 miles. Um, also, while they were looking through the hotel room, they found a receipt from an aer- like from the gift shop in the airport. And whoever the receipt belonged to, uh, apparently one of them, had bought like a garment bag on the same morning as the murders. And some of the two of the people that worked in the gift shop said they remembered somebody very much like Roger buying the gift bag or the garment bag and putting a wicker basket inside of it, which I thought was kind of weird. But okay. They weren't entirely sure that Roger was the dude, but like when they showed him the photos, they're like, yeah, that kind of looks like the dude that came in and bought the garment bag. So at this point, it's like evidence, it's like circumstantial evidence, right? But they thought, um, you know, the chief prosecutor thought that there was enough shit to go on at this point. Now, so they arrested Roger two weeks after the murders. Now, at this point, they don't know because this has been such a high profile case because one of the victims obviously was like this big famous heiress in uh, the Duluth area. So they're like, okay, well, we can't get a fair trial. So they had to move it to uh, Brainerd, which, you know, several miles away. Like how far away is Brainerd? I think I looked it up, but I think it's 100 miles or 150 miles, something like that. So they moved it like quite a distance away. Now, I talked about the handprints before. Like, they found two handprints, and they were trying to say, like, the prosecution, I think, was trying to say, oh, this is the, or the defense was trying to say, rather, that these were, like, the real killer. But they found out later that they belonged to one of the cops and another nurse that, like, worked in the house. So, obviously, that wasn't it. Um, Another weird thing that happened was that one of the jurors had to be dismissed because she had gotten a letter, which was unsigned offering her ten thousand dollars for a guilty verdict Hmm. um so i thought that was kind of interesting they never did figure out who sent the letter i have my suspicions but um but they're like okay well that juror obviously like has been compromised so they had to like get rid of them and get another one so there was that um now some of the problems were even though they had like kind of all the circumstantial evidence nobody had apparently seen roger in Duluth, Minnesota, that day. And because this was 1977, it's not like nowadays where if you take an airplane flight somewhere, like, your name is on the passenger list, obviously. They kind of had that back then, but I don't think it was, like, super stringent. So there were only two particular flights that... You know, uh, hypothetically, if the killer had flown from Colorado to Duluth, Minnesota on this particular day, there were only two particular flights he could have taken. And his name was not on either one of them, Um, even though he could have used an alias because I don't think you had to even produce ID to get on a fucking plane back then, which is crazy. Um, that, it wasn't
0: that, that crazy in the world Well,
1: that's then. why... Well, yeah, but that's why there were so many, like, airplane bombings <laughs> There were
0: then. There wasn't a computer system, so you couldn't track anything anyway. Yeah, you couldn't track it, anything. It didn't matter. So
1: it's just kind of like... Yeah. So he might have used a pseudonym. That's possible. Um, but they're not real sure because they accounted for most of the passengers that were on there that day. But so, I don't know. So they just didn't have any record of him flying on either one of those flights, is what I'm saying. So there was that. Um... And as I said, there's really no motive for Roger to have mailed the coin to himself if that was what he had done. Um, he got back to Colorado before it got there because the only thing they could think of was like, well, he was sending it to Marjorie like as a signal that he had done the deed. But he's like, well, it, you know, he was going to get back before the coin got back. So that's really dumb because he would have just got back and said, hey, I did it. You know what I mean? So it just seemed really strange like why that would have happen so there was that um and the fact that that was so weird was one of the main things that his defense used to basically say that he had been set up they didn't really come out and say exactly like who it was they thought had set him up they kind of went into that later when marjorie went on trial but um they did kind of say that maybe someone was trying to frame him for the murders. You know what I mean? They didn't want to come out and say like who they thought it was, but they're like, cause it just seemed really like a weird thing to do. If you were trying to, um, you know, kind of get away with the murder. Like, why would you? And, and the thing about it too, is that the envelope was from like the hotel. You know what I mean? It was like the hotel that he was living in, like the yeah. stationery. So they're like, that. so that would be really, really stupid if you did that. I mean, I'm not saying that he wasn't stupid. Maybe he was. But they just couldn't think of any reason why he would do that. So, you know. Um, also, there was kind of a thing where um, the car that the killer had stolen from the house, which belonged to Velma, the nurse that was murdered, they said that the weird thing was that if you were trying to hide the car, again, they're like, where it was parked was like right by the entrance, Like, it wasn't like it was way back in the lot or anything like that. Like, it was right by the entrance. Like, the keys and parking lot were right there in the garbage can. Like, they found it pretty easily. So, it's like, if you were trying to, like, get away with the murder, that seems like you would try to hide it better than that. That's what the defense was saying. Also, there was a thing where their whole thing was the point of entry was this window in the billiard room and they thought that whoever the killer was had busted the window open like maybe with a rock or something like that and then had reached in and like pulled the latch and opened the window so they were mostly able to show that roger's arm was too big to have fit through the hole or his arm was too short For him to have been able to reach the latch. You know what I mean? Like if you like reach through the hole. Because they had one of the cops do it. They set up a mock-up like in the courtroom. The same size as the hole. And they had one of the cops whose arm was slightly smaller, I believe, than Roger's. And he like tried to reach through and he couldn't. Like he couldn't reach the latch. So they were trying to use that to say that Roger couldn't possibly have done it. Because his arm wouldn't have fit through the hole that they found. So there was that. Now, um, so Roger did not testify at his own trial. Uh, The trial went on for about eight weeks, um, and the jury deliberated for two and a half days and then came back and found him guilty of both murders. So he got two consecutive life terms in prison, a minimum of 35 years behind bars. But he wouldn't end up serving much of that as it happened now because he got convicted um the prosecutors were like well shit man if this was the case we're sure that marjorie was the brains behind this because he wouldn't have just gone there randomly and like killed that old lady for no reason so it's like marjorie must have been the one to send him there and did it so we're gonna go after her so they decided they were gonna go after marjorie as the mastermind now so they're kind of going after her for, like conspiracy to commit murder which is notoriously easier to prove i guess than actual murder because you don't have to have necessarily been there you just have to have been proved to, like planned it you know what i mean now um and the thing about it was that everybody knew that she hadn't been there because everybody like a bunch of people had seen her in colorado like when the crimes took place but they all thought she just sent roger there to do it and that was that whole 2.5 million dollar will thing like that that was they considered that like a payment you know what i mean so marjorie gets the attorney uh which <laughs> tequila's mentioned before ron meshbesher meshbesher who was apparently one of the best lawyers in the midwest because she had them well i was gonna say she had the money she didn't exactly have the money but she sure spent it like she had it but he was, like, the top lawyer, and for good reason. You know what I mean? Um, it's In the book, they go a long way like toward what his defense was, and it's like, yeah, I probably would have let her off, too. Well, I don't know. I wasn't there, but you know what I mean? So the thing about it was that he had the transcript from Roger's trial, so he pretty much knew, like, how the prosecution was going to come at them, so he could really kind of, like, prepare a lot better. Um, so, yeah. They actually had to move her trial, too, because the case was so high profile. So they moved that to Hastings. Now, one of the major things that happened during Marjorie's trial was that Meshbesher was able to find not just one, but two forensic experts who were willing to come on the stand and say that the fingerprint on that envelope was not Roger's. Like, and they were just like, we don't even know why the original dude said that because it's obviously not his. And because the fingerprint on the envelope was one of the main pieces of forensic evidence, that was like a huge deal that he was able to find two other dudes who were able to come forward and say, like, we looked at it and it's obviously not his. It's like a completely different, it's a completely different dude. Um, now at this point, like also the defense attorney because i kind of feel like what they were trying to get at because she was being charged with conspiracy to commit murder basically they didn't have to disprove that roger had committed the murder i mean roger could have still committed the murder that was fine they just wanted to prove that she didn't know shit about it that he'd like acted on his own volition that was fine or or he didn't do it and it was just like a random ass person you know what i mean so, it didn't matter if Roger had committed the crime as long as, like, they were just trying to prove that she didn't know anything about it and she didn't plan it. So, there was a thing. They had somebody come forward um, in Colorado. And then there was a waitress in Colorado, even though she didn't say shit at the time of Roger's trial two years prior they were actually able to find her and she's like, oh, I saw Roger in Colorado, like on the day of the murder. Right. And there was no way that he could have gone to Minnesota. So there was that, like I said, seemed a little fishy because she didn't say anything about it back then, but whatever. But they did get her to say that for Marjorie's trial. Now, the thing about it, so Marjorie, um, she didn't end up taking the stand in her own defense, but they said it was kind of like, I don't know if I'd go so far as to say like a circus but she was for sure trying to push like the harmless grandma angle because she was about i mean she wasn't that old at this point i think she was only in her 40s but she was kind of like she would like sit at the table and do her knitting um she always had like a book that she was reading it's like she was always kind of like smiling at the jurors and everything like that um when it was ron mesh beth besher's that's her defense attorney when it was his birthday like she baked him a cake and like brought it into the courtroom so she was very clearly trying to give everybody a show it's just like look i'm just like a harmless like lovely person i would never do anything like that you know what i mean which seems kind of like transparent but whatever um but she but you know she was obviously trying to make it look like she couldn't have done anything like this like they were accusing her of Now, at first, cause Marjorie, man, uh, she fucking loved to talk and she wanted to testify, but her attorneys strongly advised against it because they thought, you know, they knew her really well and they were like, she's the kind of person that's going to get on the stand and just say all kind of crazy shit. And we're not going to be able to like control her or get her to like stick to our narrative. So we just would rather not step into that minefield pretty much. So they're just like, we would really advise you not to testify on your own behalf. Um, she was kind of bummed about it and I guess they had like a big argument, but in the end, uh, the attorneys did win. They were just like, yeah, we, we don't want you to testify. Please don't. Um, but so the defense was basically trying to put forward, um, this whole thing that they had been framed essentially, um, I believe they brought out at Marjorie's trial. I don't think they brought this up at Roger's trial, but I think at Marjorie's trial, they insinuated that the person possibly responsible for the frame up was Thomas Congdon who was Elizabeth's nephew and it was also one of the trustees of the estate. So he was one of the people that you know essentially cut Marjorie off from the money because she was spending all of it. So the defense insinuated that it was Thomas Congdon and perhaps a kind of shifty private investigator that he had hired that were kind of um, gunning to uh, set Roger and possibly Marjorie up for the crime. The argument was that, look, the whole family hates Marjorie. They know that she's in a lot of financial trouble and that she's always asking for money, and they know what she's like. So... I guess they were kind of, like, saying that it's, like, okay, well, the family just saw her as, like, a scapegoat or, like, a patsy because she had said stuff about getting all this money after her mom died, and so they wanted to set her up because they pointed out, the defense was pointing out, especially the stuff about, like, the coin being, like, the Roger mailed to himself and all this other kind of stuff. They're just like, why would anybody do that? It's just, like, see, and why would they have left like if they didn't want to get caught why would they have left all the jewelry that they supposedly stole from elizabeth's room like why would it just be laying out in their hotel room for everybody to find like and everybody to see and all this other kind of stuff it's like why would they have just left this evidence laying around like it seemed more like a setup that's what they were kind of trying to make it seem like and it seems kind of reasonable but i don't know if i believe that though i think they were maybe roger was just an idiot but you know who, who knows but that's what they were trying to argue so the thing about it was that all of the shit that they did, and like I said, they in the book, Glen daughter, they go into a long thing about what um Meshbesher said at her um trial. And the way that he laid it out did kind of sound reasonable. You know what I mean? So I could see how jurors would be like, yeah, maybe maybe they didn't do that shit. You know what I mean? So I could, you know, he was a really good defense attorney. That's why she hired him. He was like one one of the best in the Midwest, if not the country at the time. So the way he laid it out did make it sound like there was reasonable doubt that there maybe had been a frame up of some kind or, you know, there was, or even if Roger had done it, like there was no way she would have known about it or anything like that. Because they argued that, You know roger was a drunk which was true and that he was abusive to her which was also true and that she was used to lying because she didn't want people to know he was a drunk because she was embarrassed of him which is also true so they leaned hard on that so they kind of like made her seem like a victim where it's like you know she didn't know where he like he would go off to bars and get fucked up he would go off on a toot that's what he called it and um you know and he would just vanish for a day or two at a time and she didn't know what the fuck he was doing but she would like make excuses for him all the time so they leaned hard into that which like i said was somewhat true so they kind of used that to make her seem more like a victim you know what i'm saying which i don't think was necessarily the case but it worked uh you know she did end up getting acquitted not only did she get acquitted but she actually, and even the jurors came up to her afterward and like hugged her and stuff like, yay, congratulations. And I think she even went out to dinner with her lawyer and some of the jurors like afterward because they thought she was so awesome. Like she was just this little lady that knitted in the courtroom and brought cakes and shit like that. Like I said, she was leaning very hard into that motherly, grandmotherly kind of image and it totally worked. So she got acquitted. Now, after she got acquitted, um roger's attorneys were like well because they introduced all of this new evidence that they didn't have available at roger's trial including the fingerprint thing where they had these experts saying that was absolutely not roger's fingerprint on the envelope which was one of the main pieces of forensic evidence they're like well then we need to get roger a new trial also because that's some bullshit right there so they filed an appeal now um so the thing about it so the appeal kind of goes ahead and it takes a while so he goes to prison i think it was in early 1978 i believe he was put in prison so the appeal process kind of comes out they're like all right we're going to grant him a second trial you know given all of the new stuff that came out at marjorie's trial so they gave him a new trial in august of 1982 so eventually he got he got like it was appealed like his conviction was overturned um, and he got released. Now, he had spent a little more than five years in prison at this point. So he got out, even though he'd been convicted of a double murder. And five is a long time. I mean, five's a long time, but yeah.
0: yeah. I guarantee, you, if you bitches did one one year in prison, you would think that was a, a lifetime.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, okay. and he looked like kind of in bad shape. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so they basically, so they overturned his conviction what happened though was i think okay so what they wanted to do they wanted to do a second trial like they wanted to retry it. but they were afraid that he would get convicted again and then go back to prison because he was free now and he had like moved back to pennsylvania that's where he was from and so what they had him do was that because they're like this is going to be really expensive and it's like look he's already been in jail and bloody blah so they proposed a plea bargain now at first the first one they offered him they said tell you what if you confess to the double murder then we'll just give you another year in prison and then you'll be out and he was like nah he didn't want to do that because he'd already like i said moved back to pennsylvania at this point and he's just like i want to like hold out for a better deal and eventually they gave him a better deal they basically said you go in front of a judge and confess to those murders and you're free like it's time served essentially is what they said because he'd already been in jail for five plus years so i mean he's not that stupid so he was like okay even though it's going to be on your record like forever like that you committed a double murder but he doesn't want to spend any more time in jail right so i mean that's kind of understandable like i don't know if he did it or not i kind of suspect he probably did but so there's that so yeah that's what he did so he goes in front of a judge and he tells them here's the thing i read in the book there is a transcript of what he said at his confession. And even though he kind of said, oh, I was kind of drunk and I don't really remember all the details, which very well might've been the case because he was kind of always drunk. But the way that he talked about it kind of makes me feel like he did it. But some of the stuff that he said was inconsistent to the facts of the case too. So I'm kind of torn on it. Because some of the shit he said, I was like, wow, that sounds like super specific for somebody who didn't do it. You know what I mean? Like the way he described it. Because you have to think that the time that allegedly, if he went there and killed those two women, this was only the second time he'd ever been to this house. He'd been to the house the first time, like a couple months prior to talk to Elizabeth about borrowing all that money, but he didn't like go anywhere in the house. He just basically went in the front in the library, like where he met with her. And she said, no, you can't have any money. And he didn't like look around the house or nothing. So he'd only been there, like, one time by himself. So this would have only been the second time that he was there. And the way that he talked about it, I don't know. It kind of made me feel like he probably did it. But then, like, some of the shit he said was not consistent. Like Somebody
0: mentions only five years for a double murder.
1: Yeah. Was he really convicted of a double murder, though? Yes. And he only got five years? Well, no, he got two life sentences, okay, okay, yeah, but bec- he got two life sentences, All right. but a couple like when Marjorie was tried, it, it she changed. was acquitted, yeah, and the case changed and yeah. some and the um right. the evidence that came out at her trial' cause she was him. like right. kind of exonerated him or right. the, that's they thought they would overturn okay. it, yeah, because, like I said, it was the fingerprint evidence mostly because right. that was kind of like the main okay, thing yeah. that I figure so that, that up right. But because I still kind of do think not. For one sentence, he second, probably think did that it. You
0: can kill two people in the United States and only get five years for
1: it. No, unless you have a shit ton of money, uh, then yeah, you probably and, won't get any. And time. then
0: there's a whole bunch of ev- there's a whole bunch of corroborating er, corroborating evidence that maybe it was self defense. Then maybe, but no, under normal circumstances, no, you could never do
1: it. No, like I said, the only reason he, but yeah, his sentence was two life sentences. Because it was a double murder. And it was, you know, with pre-planning, obviously. Um, but because of the stuff that came out at her trial <sighs> later on, most states like five can, years later, they were kind of like, oh, well, we can probably get Roger off now, too, because all this new shit came out. Most, most
0: states carry a life sentence for murder. Now, manslaughter, that's a different circumstance. And manslaughter is a homicide... That would normally be a murder, but it's uh, but the homicide was conducted under situations where there was um, enough provocation to deny the defendant calm reasoning and cool reflection, that type of deal. In other words, it was an aggravated thing where people were fucking with it. That ended and it could end up being a manslaughter. And just in general, knowing how the criminal justice system is, on average, a manslaughter could be anywhere from zero to 40 years. <laughs> so, that's still something that's up in the air. You could, com- you could commit a manslaughter and effectively get a life sentence. Or you could commit a manslaughter and if the judge thinks you had a reason for doing what you're doing... He could give you probation. And that's not normally what happens, though. What normally happens is you get four or five years. Um, now, some foreigners might foreign to the American scene. Like, well, how can you get four years for killing someone? You got people in the United States that want to kill each other. You got two men that are fighting, trying to kill one another. One survives it. What do you do with them? It wasn't quite self defense. But they had he not done what he done, he would have died. It would be a mass slaughter. Basically, dueling, and you could get a couple years for that. Yeah. But that's 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 kind of for the American situation. That's about right. Yeah. Two guys trying to kill each other, and then the one dude that survives. Yeah, you give him a couple years, so he doesn't do it again. But you don't have to fucking throw that guy away. Had he not done what he done, he would have died. You know, he didn't have a choice once the fighting started. They were both trying to kill each other. Yeah. So, you know.
1: Well, that's why they give. That's why we have trials and shit like yeah. that because it's kind of like there's right. circumstances. There's circumstances. Too. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Everything's different. Yeah, we, gotta, like, we gotta hear everybody out. Yeah. yeah, and that is not necessarily the case
0: in Europe. In Europe, it's gonna be very different from that private thing, but the United States. Not really. I
1: don't know. Is it? Not that I ever saw. It's what? pretty It's pretty similar. It's a bit similar? Okay. Yeah. Well, our laws came from English laws, for sure. English so common there's, law. So right. their, their laws are very, right. very similar. Okay. Um, Tequila says, uh, to be honest, the staircase is pretty much a straight shot up from the basement and one right turn to Elizabeth's room. Yeah, I think it was just kind of like, from what I saw in the picture, like I said, it's kind of hard to tell, but it looked like a landing that had, like, a window... Was it a window? Or it was just, like, a bench? It looked like a window seat? I think that's what kind of weird... Unless that's not what that picture was, but that's what I thought. Tammy said his wife probably gave him the layout of the house. That's kind of what I was thinking. Because it's like, you know, allegedly, allegedly, um, she's still alive as far as I know. He's dead. But, um... I do kind of feel like these two Hills probably planned this. And like yeah. I said, I think she sent him out there to do that and said, hey, this is where her room is and blah blah I don't think that they knew that the nurse was going to be there necessarily. I don't think they were planning to kill the nurse, but that doesn't make it any better.
0: Let me address Danny. Danny's talking about my guns and my fucking calf muscles and shit. Uh, fucking, no, uh, you go on my uh, Instagram. I got videos of my calves. Because of the army and everything and me working out and fucking being on gear and shit. No, my calf muscles are IFBB Pro level calf muscles. My calves look like it's a couple of fucking rotisserie chickens on the back of my legs. I got big ass calves with these cut in them. So I'm not like this fucking dude that plays fucking... Who's that actor that plays fucking Thor? What's that guy's name? blonde haired guy The um, no motherfucker skipping leg day I've seen
1: his legs he's got a fucking remember. skinny
0: ass but no I got fucking what good legs that? bro my legs are better than my arms
1: you do bro. have nice you do have nice calves
0: fuck my calves are the shit man they look like fucking chickens back there <laughs> you know, it's mostly genetics but you work because yeah,
1: I mean you do leg stuff but you mostly do arms mostly
0: so. do arms because my arms were actually behind my legs yeah, but being in the infantry rucksacks and going up and down Korea my whole life and just the shit that I did as soon as I started fucking going back into training and getting involved in test and gear and shit like that my fucking calves just blew up I look back down on them and they're better than they ever were when I was fucking in my early 20s I got nice legs He's got a nice
1: leg. He's got a nice dick,
0: too. I got that shit. <laughs> you do? Yeah, that shit's on. I got it fucking recorded, man. Go look you at are, it. You look. also
1: have a nice butt. Yeah, I yeah. Also I look, like yeah. You do have a nice dick. It's nice. You should see how Jen's looking.
0: Hold on. Let me get this camera. Oh Jen is looking mom. so fucking cute. She, look at how cute this shit's is looking. Look at that.
1: The little feet. Well, I can't sit normally in a chair. Yeah. Jen's looking so good. I was I was sitting cross-legged. S- sit up straight, Jen. Yeah. I was sitting cross-legged, but you could see my. Yeah, head yeah. Put arms your arms up. Like... Yeah, look at that, shit. Would you stop? Okay, all right. All right, right, yeah. No, Jen. Jen Jen's Jen's been in training,
0: eight and she looks fucking great all right, we'll right now. Talk about some shit here. Yeah. Here. Fucking. She around. looks better now than she
1: looked yeah, even in her fucking
0: thirties when when I first met her. Yeah, I
1: think I was thirty-eight when I met her. Thirty-eight when we met. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, you look fucking Right around then
0: She's so much hotter than You're so much hotter than you were
1: Well, thank you Yeah, you are You're gorgeous I try Aw, you're so nice You say nice things sometimes Why do you think we're throwing down all the time?
0: (laughs) That's true We're in our 50s now And fucking, you know We just did the right things
1: Yeah You don't have to You don't have to grow old gracefully You can just be No, you can fight it Yeah That's what I'm doing
0: Fucking fight that shit
1: Zach says, this whole case kind of gives me Dolores Claiborne vibes. Oh, yeah.
0: Dolores Claiborne. Who was that? That was a Stephen right. King
1: novel. Okay, yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They made it... Ooh, I don't think we've ever reviewed that movie. That yeah. was a good movie. I love that book. Yeah. The movie was actually really decent. It had Kathy Bates in it. And, yeah. um, And, um... What's her name? I can see her face. Yeah. I can't think of it. I'll think of it in a second. But, yeah. So, but, yeah. So, he did get convicted of two life sentences. But... Because of the evidence that came out. So he basically said, yeah, I totally did that shit. Now he said, like I said, the statement that he gave, it was odd because it was like, like I said, in some ways it was kind of super specific, but also vague enough that some of it didn't really line up with what really happened. So I'm kind of torn. I don't really, like, I do still think he did it probably, but... I don't know. Some of the shit that he said, like, kind of made me question that. He basically said, yeah, I did this, that, and the other thing. Like, he waited in the cemetery um, for a while behind the house while he was waiting for everybody to go to bed. Like, he was waiting for all the lights to go out and everything like that. And he was um, drinking quite a bit <laughs> when he was in the cemetery. Like, he was trying to get his courage up. That's what he said. And then he broke in and did the shit. Now, he said when they asked him about... Um, you know, why'd you take that coin and all that other stuff? He basically just said he didn't remember. And he also said that he didn't remember, um, (laughs) taking the flight from Colorado to Minnesota. He didn't remember taking any of the jewelry. He didn't remember any of that. That's what he said. But I don't know. I, I don't know if he was drunk and he really didn't remember or he was just... Or he didn't do it and he was just making the story up so he didn't have to be in prison anymore so he was just kind of like i don't know i don't remember any of the details because he wasn't there or i don't know I don't, I don't know what the deal was but his story was that he's like well i was just meant to rob the place i didn't mean to kill anybody i didn't go there insistent and you know meaning to kill anybody and he's just like and that's why i didn't really have a getaway plan because his quote was i didn't have any plan this was the most amateurish slipshod thing now that i've had years to ponder it and i'm like well yeah it was um but he says he wasn't really thinking clearly that's what he says now even though at this point marjorie had been put on trial for conspiracy to commit murder and she had been acquitted so because of double jeopardy she could not be tried again Um, So it wouldn't have really hurt anything, even if um, even if Roger said now, yeah, that bitch, like, put me up to it or whatever. But he would not. He would not. um, He just said she didn't have anything to do with it. Um, You know, she's in the clear. So there was that. Now, so he got out of prison. However, his life was uh, not great after that. He moved back to Pennsylvania, where he was from and he was an alcoholic as i mentioned uh he got very 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 fat um he went on welfare Uh he lived above a bar which he took a lot of advantage of and basically got 186 dollars a month like welfare and that was it and just like wore clothes how much a thr- month 186 well, that's nothing well yeah that's what wel- year was this that's welfare this was uh, in the '80s. Yeah,
0: 186 wouldn't pay shit for even for shit even in the, in the even in the '80s. No.
1: Well, like I yeah. said, people talk about people living high on the hog on the welfare. I'm like, uh, no, they're not. <laughs> they don't. They don't get shit. Even nowadays, you don't. But, um, but yeah, I'm, I mean, like, I've got unemployment. I've got shit like that. It's it's nothing. My family got welfare. It's nothing. So he got that. You know, just got clothes from thrift stores. So he wasn't uh, doing great. Now, at one point, he actually contacted the Congdon family and said, hey, if you guys give me a lot of money, I have evidence that other people were involved in the murder. You know what I mean? So the family's like, okay, well, we're kind of interested. We'll give you $50,000, but we have to have proof that the evidence that you're talking, like, what is the evidence that you're talking about? We have to have proof that it's something. Um, and he's like no 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 um, I'll give it to you later except give me $100,000 at which point the family was like nah bro and they just like cut him off and didn't talk to him anymore now in 1988 Roger committed suicide he actually slit his wrists with a steak knife a steak knife? Yeah, that's serrated Um, I don't know if it was a serrated one or if it was just like a smooth edge one
0: okay no, they're usually serrated. I mean,
1: I know they are, but I think they specifically said that it was like a smooth one. Okay. Uh, he was at this stage, fifty-four years old. Only nine people showed up at his funeral. <laughs> uh, one of whom was a uh, the author of the book of the person that or the person that wrote this book. Yeah. Um, they found a suicide note. Actually, they found three suicide notes. Uh, the dude was drunk as shit. Uh, they did know that. His blood alcohol level was super high. When he did it? Yeah. Um Two of the suicide notes were illegible. They were just like scrawled, whatever. Um The third one, he said, he, I didn't kill those girls or to my knowledge ever harm a soul in my life. Problem with that, though, was that when he was, he'd been living in Latrobe, Pennsylvania, And he lived with his girlfriend. I don't know what her name was. But a few days before he killed himself, he had beaten the absolute shit out of her. And she was in the hospital. Because she was bad. (laughs) So his whole thing and his suicide note, he never harmed a soul in his life. Eh. Not so much. Not so much. He beat the crap out of his girlfriend. And honestly, a lot of the stuff, I wouldn't really necessarily trust anything Marjorie said. But, um, because she seems like a compulsive liar. But some of the children who knew Roger said that he was an abusive drunk. Like, that he smacked her around, too. Like, when he was fucked up. So, there could be that. But, yeah, he totally, um, beat his girlfriend bad enough that she had to go to the hospital a couple of days before he killed himself. But then, like, said that he never hurt anybody. So, you know, there's that. Um, great. Now... So Marjorie, even though allegedly she had talked Roger into killing her mom, that's what everybody thinks. Like I said, I don't. It wasn't proven. I don't know. It does seem like that's what happened, but I don't know. But even that's the story. So even though everybody thinks that um, she apparently, once he had done that, if indeed he did it, she evidently had no more use for him um like i said she does really come across like a classic sociopath in the sense that people are just objects to be used for a particular goal and then discarded uh she seems to have done that multiple times in her life so she visited him one time when he was in prison for all those five years now listen to this shit so in 1981 um before he got before roger got out of prison she married again now this guy was named wally hagan she married him in north dakota now it turns out that she had not legally divorced roger first so there were bigamy charges filed against her in north dakota but because bigamy is not seen as that big of a deal it's not you can't extradite someone to another state for that um they're basically like well we can't bring her to another state like to you know convict her for that you know she just can't go back to North Dakota again back
0: in the old days bigamy was widespread well yeah there wasn't, dis- there wasn't really divorce she so just moved around and
1: married people as they went that happened a lot, yeah. actually. Well, because, like I said, back in the old days, they didn't really have, like, computer networks or anything like that. If you just moved to another state, you could just, like, come up with a new name and...
0: And marry somebody else. Marry somebody else. You Should could you marry just... somebody else under your own name. It wouldn't matter.
1: Yeah, no one would find out because nobody pe- could... People remarried all the time. There wasn't any way to cross-check. They remarried why they were married. A lot. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that happened here. But, like I said, yeah. this was the 80s, uh, and they do have laws against that. Yeah. Yeah. But like I said, it it's not considered like a huge like serious crime or anything. Which, you know, yeah. Which obviously it probably shouldn't be. I mean, it's yeah. kind of shitty, but it's not really that bad. You're not hurting anybody. You well, you're know, not killing people. You're not, f- yeah. You're not physically hurting anybody yeah. or anything like that. So, um, but yeah. So they're like basically, well, you know, she can't come back to North Dakota. If she comes back to North Dakota, like she might get caught for it. But other than that, like, why would you want to go to North Dakota anyway? Nobody knows. So, um, so yeah. Now here's the thing, Marjorie had known Wally and his wife Helen for many years since the 1960s they actually met because both of their kids were in ice skating competitions because remember how I said they were real big into that like back in the 60s now the Hagens, Wally and Helen were really some of the few friends that she had that actually stuck with her all this time and thought that she wasn't guilty right now it's suspected I don't know if this is true or not It's suspected that Wally and Marjorie may have begun an affair back then. I don't know if that's the case, Um, but that was kind of the rumor going around anyway. Now, after Marjorie got acquitted, Helen, Wally's wife, got diagnosed with Alzheimer's, and then she got put in a nursing home. Now, a few days after Marjorie visited her, was seen feeding her mashed bananas from some baby food jars she went into a coma hmm marjorie was the last person to visit her three days after that helen died and not too long after that marjorie and wally were seen together everywhere and then they got married now interestingly and this was something that you don't see in a lot of the breakdowns but this was in the book marjorie had told everybody at the nursing home like the staff that she was helen's daughter which she obviously was not wally and helen's actual daughter they had three kids um whose name was nancy was like third of the third down the list marjorie was the first person to call if something went wrong with helen they were not related they were just like friends and marjorie was allegedly like fucking her husband from going back to the 60s so there was that You know, so it was just like, call Marjorie first, then call Wally, then call Nancy, the actual daughter. So there was that. And Nancy didn't find that out until after her mom died. Like she went to the nursing home and they're like, yeah, it says that Marjorie was her daughter and you were supposed to call." She's like, what the fuck? That's not like I'm their daughter. What are you talking about? So there was that. Also, after Helen died, Nancy, the daughter, said that Wally, her dad, abruptly told her with no preamble, like he just walks in the house um i hated my wife for all 47 years of our marriage Hmm. i only stayed together for you guys like for the kids and nancy's like mom just died and why the fuck are you telling me this right now like he's free i'm free that is fucked up (laughs) damn and nancy says she was 32 at the time her dad told us it's like look if you hated it so much why like the kids are grown like, yeah. why didn't you leave? You know, he had he, no other options. But he wouldn't answer the question. Like, he, he just no turned other. around and left.
0: That motherfucker wasn't good looking anyway. He couldn't didn't have any other options. That's what it was. His arrogant ass. <laughs> also... Think about it. Yeah. Think about it. He, was, he, he probably
1: didn't like her and got stuck with her. But he couldn't go anywhere either. Although, I don't... Yeah. See, here's the thing. It, as we'll go on with this kind of good. fucked up shit here, but... I think that this was a case of Marjorie almost, like, brainwashed. Because he was pretty old at this point. I think she was, like, fucking with his mind. Hmm. She was good at that. So, yeah. Also, Nancy, the daughter. She also reported she had had an arrangement with her dad to pick up her four-year-old son, whose name was Michael, up from daycare. Because she worked a lot. Like, she, you know, worked full-time. And had, like, she had a couple jobs. So he would pick her son up from daycare. One day he didn't do it. Like she comes home, she goes up to say goodnight to her four-year-old and he's not there. And she goes down to her dad and is like, hey, where's Michael? Oh, I didn't get him. Like it was no big. What do you mean you didn't get him? Marge told me I didn't have to. That's what he said. Marjorie told me I didn't have to. Um, And it turns out that the kid, because the kid had not been picked up from daycare, they had taken him into state custody and put in a foster home for the night because he needed somewhere to go. And Nancy had to go get a court order to get him back just because her stupid fucking dad didn't pick him up like he always had before because Marge said I didn't have to. That's what he said. Um, Also, it turned out that the money that Wally inherited after his wife died that was supposed to be used to pay like all the bills and stuff. Um, also went to Marjorie. Uh, so none of the bills had been paid, and Nancy ended up with nothing. She didn't get any of her inheritance or anything. Um, Wally was 23 years older than Marjorie, by the way. Uh, when they got married, he was 72, and she was 49. Hmm. So there was that. 72 and
0: 49, but
1: what an age gap. Yeah. 72, that's an old man.
0: 49, that's still kind of an old, a young woman.
1: Yeah, I mean, just not that's yeah. younger than me. Younger than you, yeah. So... But see, here's the thing. Marjorie, even though she was not particularly good looking or anything like that, she seems to have had some weird kind of, like, manipulative power. And, I mean, this dude was old. You know, he had, you know, his wife was ill and he was taking care of her and stuff like that. But I kind of feel like, to some point, like, he might have been, I don't know. He seemed like he was, like, really manipulated by her. So, so they got married. And not too long after that a house that they had just sold. They had sold it to another family, but there was like a couple weeks where they said, oh, we're going to fix it up, like before you guys take it over or whatever. But in the interim, like the night before they were supposed to like, when they got the keys and they were supposed to move in, the house mysteriously burned down. Now, when the cops look into this, she had kind of had some rumors about her, you know, unexplained fires like happening around her a lot. So investigators kind of like when they found out that she had been the owner of the, the previous owner of the house, they had like sold it to another couple. Um, they were like, okay, well maybe we want to look into, because her story was, oh, that Wally, who had been an electrician, he was retired, had rewired the house and maybe the wiring was bad or something like that and that had caused it, but you know there there was a lot of shit going on that really looked like because she still had keys to the house even though she said she didn't it was this whole thing so um at this point they did arrest her like they didn't have enough money to arrest her for the arson like insurance fraud you know what i mean um and they did find evidence like she'd never really been convicted convicted but there were a lot of suspected fires like a lot of people um Suspected her of like committing arson. Now, the same guy who had defended her before, old Mesh mesh Besher, he defended her again. However, this time, it did not work. Uh, She actually did get convicted this time of arson and insurance fraud and got sentenced to um, a women's prison. I think her first sentence was two and a half years, I believe. So she got released about 20 months later, so almost two years later. And then her and Wally moved to arizona like they moved to this tiny little town called ajo in arizona in an rv um, about 40 miles from the mexican border so marjorie had told everybody that wally had cancer and that they wanted to move really close to the mexican border because there were all these drugs and treatments over there in mexico that weren't you know, approved in the United States yet that they thought would help him. So they were going back and forth to Mexico all the time while they were living in Ajo, Arizona, there was a series. I believe it was just in one year, 1990 of 43 suspicious fires, um, which happened in empty houses and garages in the area. Now at first the cops thought it was just kids going around burning shit down. However, one of the fires burned down kind of a storage garage kind of place where Marjorie and Wally kept their uh, RV, their Airstream trailer. So they thought that was a little fishy when they looked into her background. Also, there was this. So they started like looking into her. So Wally and Marjorie had been having like a feud with their next door neighbor, whose name was Mark. He was 28, I believe. He lived there with like his younger brother or something um they said oh he's like you know messing with our dog whose name was wolf and you know throwing garbage in their yard and shit i don't know if that was true i don't believe anything she says now one night the neighbor mark who was a border patrol officer he had been a border patrol officer for four years and he heard something at his window like scratching or like some kind of like like someone was trying to pull the window open because they were like these casement windows that were they were old houses they were like hard to open And so he looks out and he sees this rag that smelled like kerosene on the windowsill. Now, he saw what he thought was Marjorie's face, because it was his neighbor. He knew her and he thought he saw her face like outside the window, like with her dog. And so he calls the cops. So the cops decide they're going to set a trap up because there's all these fires happening in this tiny, tiny town. So they're like, it's got to be the same person doing it. So around 1 in the morning, the cops come out, and they see something. And so they come out, and they chase the person. Like, they see somebody, like, lighting a lighter, and, like, the rag ignites, right? And the and Mark and his brother saw it inside, too. They tried to take pictures of it, but they didn't come out. So, um, so the cops, like, chase the person down this alley, and they catch her, and it's Marjorie. So she's trying to set her neighbor's house on fire with the neighbors still in it. What? <laughs> they lived like literally like right next door. And she was like yeah. in her nightgown and she was barefoot and everything. How old is she at this point? Um I believe 50s? at this point, yeah, I think she's in her 50s. Bitch crazy. That's what I'm telling you. Bitch, 100%. This crazy. fucking yeah, she is nuts. That's attempted murder,
0: right there. That's not arson. Uh yeah, well, murder. yeah. Yeah.
1: So, um so yeah, so they caught her like red-handed. Now, she gets charged with arson and they put her in jail at this point so she's in jail for eight months because she, they gave her bail but she couldn't you know pay it just because they're broke at this point now Wally who had been real sick and like in a wheelchair and shit like while she was out while she was in jail he got a lot better interestingly hmm. um kind of just gonna say Munchausen by proxy kind of shit going on here is, is a little bit of what was going on here Um, you know, whereas before he couldn't really walk or like anything like that, like now he's just like tooling around town. It's like they see him sitting in restaurants, like flirting with waitresses, like acting like a normal dude. I mean, he's in his seventies, but they were like, he was pretty spry. He was like in good shape. But while she was around, he always seemed really sickly. So, you know, um, and then so Marjorie gets let out like pending trial and then Wally started to decline again. And somebody who was kind of acquainted with them said, oh yeah, she gives him all these pills like to help him sleep, which I don't know exactly what they were, but it was something. Now, so when they put her on trial for the arson, Wally testified on her behalf, like he just would not have it. Like he was just sticking up for his wife and blah, blah, blah. I think he was totally brainwashed at this point. So this was another kind of circus atmosphere. Wally gets brought into the courtroom lying down on a gurney because he's saying it's like, Oh, I can't stand up, I have like all this stuff on my back, and blah de blah. And he also brought their dog with them, which he said was his hearing ear dog. Okay, um, his story was Marjorie couldn't have set the fire because her arthritis in her hands is so bad that she can't even hold a normal size match. So there's no way because they, you know, when the police caught her, they found like a box of Circle K matches in her pocket. Like she, you know what I mean? And they're like she can't even light those because her um, you know, her arthritis is so bad. His story was that she had taken the dog out for a walk in the middle of the night. Um, you know, the dog often ran to the neighbor's yard and somebody had left this Meat-soaked rag hanging out the window, and then the dog grabbed it, and so Marjorie went back later to return it, to like put it back where she found it. A likely story. Also, the whole thing about Wally showing up in the courtroom like on the gurney. Some of the jur- that didn't really work because some of the jurors like happened to look out the window when he arrived, and he got out of the car just fine. And then Marjorie was seen like helping him up on the gurney, <laughs> like pushing him into the th- like. They saw him walking around like normal. And so they're like, yeah, okay, so that seems a little fishy. So her fucking story, they let her testify on her own behalf, which was probably a mistake because she just went on and on. I don't know if she necessarily... I read some of her testimony, and it's just... She didn't really incriminate herself, but the way that she went on and on... um, was kind of like i don't know it just kind of i think soured a lot of the jury against her and there was just like so much evidence because they brought up there was a big thing about you know because this was just particularly for this you know the neighbor like the attempted arson on the neighbor's house and but they brought up all these other things that she had been suspected of committing in the past um you know because they said that that was admissible so i kind of feel like the jury was like this fucking lady she's insane now what happened? So she got convicted of that attempted arson. And then later they said, hey, if you plead guilty or plead no contest to the other arson charges, then, you know, you'll get a plea or whatever. But she didn't get like a really good deal. Now, she did plead no contest to the fire that had destroyed the garage where she kept their Airstream trailer, which also destroyed four other people's vehicles that were also being stored there. And it turned out that she had also done two more of the whole kerosene rag deals on two other people in the neighborhood who were both in her quilting group. So I don't really know if they just made her mad. I'm assuming because that's why I'm assuming she did that to the neighbor. Cause it's like, he just pissed them off for some reason. And she's just like, Oh, I'm going to get that motherfucker. I'm going to burn his fucking house down. But apparently that she had tried to do the same thing with two other people in the neighborhood that were in her quilting group. So because of that, she ended up getting 15 years, a 15 year sentence, which I mean, you know, it seems like a lot, but considering her history, uh, no. And considering the fact that she probably like murdered a bunch of people and didn't get caught, um, I'm, I'm not mad at it. So um, she was 60 years old at this mm. point when she got sentenced to the 15 years. Now here's another, the story's not over, just wait. So at her sentencing, she asked the judge, can I please just have 24 more hours to make sure that my poor sickly husband, Wally, is taken care of? Like, you know, I need to make arrangements for him because he, you know, he's infirm and he won't get by without me. So the judge was kind of like reluctant, but he's like, okay, but You know, we're going to have all these cops and shit like that, like watching you to make sure you don't like run off. You know what I mean? Because they, you know, they could have run to Mexico or whatever. So they followed her back to her house and they had patrols coming by. Now, one of the patrols that was coming by, and this was like four hours before they were supposed to come and like arrest her and like take her to jail. Right. One of the cops comes by and happens to smell gas coming out of the house. So he knocks on the door, Marjorie answers and says, "Oh, everything's fine. Um, you know, our pilot light just blew out on the stove. It's cool." A couple hours later though, she calls some of her friends and relatives to tell them that Wally, her husband, was dead. So the cops come. she did, now the now he had been dead for several hours. Um And apparently somebody she called was like, well, why don't you call the cops? Oh, yeah, probably I should do that. But this was like many hours later. So she calls the cops. They come out. Now they find that there's like a piece of hose, which was, you know, she would cut it off the garden hose. And it was kind of would reach from the oven to the bedroom because they had like an old gas. Gas Yeah. (laughs) Also, they found a bunch of prescription pills next to the body. And there was also a double suicide note, which is, um, I read it, it's in that book, where she basically wrote this note saying, you know, thanks for everything you did. It was addressed to um, their uh, attorney and basically saying thanks for everything you did but we don't want everybody thinking like we've been framed up and we don't want everybody thinking we did this and bloody blah blah, we're just going to go out together we want to be buried in one big casket with our dog i was like so they're going to kill the dog like to bury these two shit heels fuck you guys you know what i mean so it was that um but yeah so she wrote this suicide so her story was that her and wally had a suicide pact and he did it, but then she was gonna do it too, and then she chickened out. So that was kind of her defense. That's what the letter said, because she basically in the letter was like, "Yeah, we're we're get, we're out of here. Like we're doing that." So the cops did not buy this, uh, as you wouldn't. So she got arrested um, for murder. Now. They're kind of like trying to call a grand jury. And at this point, the prosecutors were not entirely sure they could get a murder conviction because they're like, well, had this been a double suicide and she just backed out of it, um, that might not be like, people might sympathize. It's like, I don't think we can get a murder conviction. So they dropped the murder charge, even though... They're pretty sure, I mean, they're pretty sure that she drugged him and then did the whole hose thing. So it would look like they'd killed themselves or tried to, like, that he tried to kill himself because he couldn't live without her because she was supposed to go off to prison the next day, right? So they're trying to make it look like that. Um, So, yeah. So she didn't even get put on trial for that. They just dropped the charges because they didn't think they'd be able to prove it they're like oh well that's some reasonable doubt they could introduce like maybe it was a double suicide pact and like she just chickened out you know what i mean what are you gonna do um when they did the autopsy though they did discover that wally had not died of the gas but had died of a drug overdose um and also fun fact the autopsy that they did of him found absolutely no sign of cancer Even though she had been saying for years and years and years that he had all kind of cancer and that he had all kinds of health problems, he had no cancer, zero cancer. So the speculation is that she had been doing some Munchausen by proxy shit and she was just like giving him all these drugs and he didn't know what they were for. And if
0: you made a movie about it, this chick, nobody would believe it.
1: That's what I'm telling you. That's why, This that, is that, that's fucking why crazy. The,
0: that's why that's why Tequila sent this book to us.
1: I was reading this and I'm like, no fucking way. Yeah. This is insane. It's insane. And the bitch is free. I mean, she's 91 now. But she's yeah. free now. Crazy, though. Yeah. yeah. I mean, how many people is she killed at this point, allegedly? Five? Yeah. That's serial killer shit. Yeah. And all the houses and shit she burned down. Had this happened in the 1800s,
0: she would have killed fucking dozens. Because they had women like this in the 1800s that there
1: was no bookkeeping and
0: no computers. You could get away with anything. But a chick like this would have done a lot of damage in the 1800s.
1: Yeah, she probably could have killed a lot more people. Yeah. Because see, that's the thing. It's like everybody... I kind of feel like for a long time, like all this was going on and like a lot of people suspected her of shit, but she just like, they couldn't prove it. Yeah. Like in this case, it's like, They were pretty sure maybe, probably, that she killed Wally, right? I mean, he died of a drug overdose. She probably drugged him. And she probably gave him a lot because she'd been giving him a lot over the years to make him seem sickly so she could get sympathy and attention and stuff like that. Um, so she probably gave him a shit ton and then did the whole gas thing probably after he was already dead, like to make it look like they had this double suicide pact. But the thing about it was that the prosecution was like, well, we can't prove that that wasn't the case. And they didn't think it was worth pursuing. Hmm. And they're like, well, she's already going to prison for all the arson and shit anyway. So I guess they didn't really feel like it was worth it.
0: She has all the fucking traits of a female serial killer.
1: She does. That's what I was thinking. It's like, and, and if she did kill all the people that they suspected, because they think, remember... That she not only was, I mean, she didn't physically kill her mom, but they think that she maybe manipulated Roger into killing her mom. Also, they think that she killed Wally's first wife, Helen. Yeah. By giving her the, they were feeding her stuff out of baby food. And then all of a sudden, like the next day she went into a coma. Hmm. You know what I mean? So there was that. And like I said, she did try to maybe kill her mom with the marmalade like earlier. So she was trying to poison people. So there was that. So, you know, serial killer. So they dropped the charges. Um, So, and like I said, Wally didn't have any cancer, even though she had spent years saying that he had all this cancer. Like, I think she did like three different kinds of cancer. Now, so Wally's three kids, um, they're like, we want our dad's body back in Minnesota and to be buried next to the mom, like the first wife that he supposedly said he hated, even though he's married her for 47 years, which I was like, this, even, that is like, even if that was true, why would you tell your daughter that? That just seems like so shitty. I kind of feel like at this point, maybe... I'm not exonerating him, um, but I think Marjorie was maybe drugging him and like playing with his mind and shit because he was kind of old man at this point. Now, so yeah, so the, so the kids wanted his body back. Marjorie, who was in jail at this point, um, wouldn't let them have it because she's an asshole like that. So they had to go to court um and then finally they the judge said okay well <laughs> this is so fucked up it's like well if you cremate the body you can each have half the ashes <laughs> we're just like okay i mean i guess it's better than the cutting the body in half but whatever so marjorie got the other half of the ashes but the kids got the half um and at this point after this whole brouhaha that was when the kids first started thinking that maybe marjorie had killed their mom too which i kind of suspect she probably did now, so Marjorie, she had a parole hearing in 2001, and two of Wally's kids were there, and she was trying to get early release. Um, she didn't show any remorse for anything she had done. Um, she's basically talking about Willie's uh, or Wally's children have been a thorn in my side. They've been fucking with me like all this time. She was always like someone else was fucking with her, like someone was fucking up her life. She never took responsibility for anything. I'm trying to make
0: herself look like the victim.
1: Yeah, that's and she did that a lot. Yeah. Um, if, like I said, if you read the book, It's a dead, this, a dead giveaway. Yeah, this book is like really good. Like, and it goes a lot into like her female cel-
0: serial killers are always trying to make themselves look like the vi- villain, or excuse me, the victim. Uh, that goes all the way to the one we had down here in fucking Florida that was killing all truck drivers. What was her name? Fucking Aileen. Warnos. Aileen Warnos. Yeah. Oh, they were trying to rape me. Which maybe some of them were. Well, maybe the
1: first one was. I think the first one was. It's
0: easier just to pay him. And she was a fucking lot lizard. You know? Truckers have money. You know? A lot lizard like Eileen wasn't asking for a lot of money. Better to just give her the $35 or the $40 that she wanted. They weren't trying to rape her. She Although, like I said, a ju- She just needed a justification to kill yeah. and rob them. That's all it was. I
1: don't know. I suspect that maybe one did, because it does happen. I mean, yeah. you know. Uh, well, if so, you're in that business, that's right, going to happen. Right, that's going to happen. So right. I think maybe that did happen to her once, and yeah. she used that as justification. But a normal just, like, lot, lizard,
0: lot lizard woman isn't going to fucking hold all the other truckers responsible right. for that one. She did, though, because she was messed
1: yeah, up. Yeah, well, she needed to because she wanted to kill dudes and get take their money.
0: Yeah you know
1: but yeah so so yeah so she kind of was just kind of like yeah they've been fucking with me all this time blah blah um i should note that several of marjorie's own children i believe five of them i think that rick her youngest and steven um stood by her the whole entire time and defended her but i think the other five were like yeah fuck that bitch um and were basically would came to the parole hearing and said please do not let her out so you know yeah. that should tell you something too. Um. So 2004, uh, she was in prison for 10 years and she got let out. Now, so after she was released in 2004, her lawyer, his name was Edward Boulding, um, He wanted to, he approached uh, an author and wanted to write a book about her um, because she wanted some money. Like he said, basically she's broke and she wants to like make some money about it. So the author was like, um, nah, I don't, I don't think so. It's like, I kind of know about this case and I know what happens with people that go into business with her, so no thank you. Um, and then later it turned out that Marjorie had accused that same attorney, Edward Bolding, of stealing her money while she was in jail. Because even while she was in jail, her, um, she was still getting a, money from, her, uh, from the estate You know what I mean? Like she was getting a stipend. I think it was $4,800 a month. Now she couldn't spend it, obviously, because she was in jail, but it was still piling up in her account. So she should have had a lot of money when she got out because she was in there for 10 years. Um, But, and she was also getting Wally's pension, I believe. So there should have been a bunch of money in there, but um, she basically said, oh, that lawyer took it all. And she sued him and she won, which is fucking crazy to me. So he got a, he got convicted of embezzling a million dollars from her, which I don't know if he actually did that. I wouldn't believe it because she was just doing that. Um, and also here's like I said, story's not over yet. So three years after she got out, two thousand seven, she um makes friends with an old man named Roger Samus at an assisted living home, and she said, "Hey, old man." I'll help you out with your uh, finances. Yeah. Not surprisingly, he died not long after that, and then she kept writing checks to herself with his signature on them. Yeah. Like you do. <laughs> she
0: had control over his bank account.
1: Yeah. So they tried what to. What the fuck I mean, she did that old th- man
0: to get that privilege? Sure, I don't know. She's done her. That's what on her I old mean.
1: Man. See, I don't get why. Because, and especially when the when I read all the stuff about Wally Hagan, like. Yeah. What the fuck was she doing to that dude to make? Because his kids said that he completely cut them off, and he was not like that before. They're like he just became a completely different person, like after he married her, and they couldn't figure it out. They're like they didn't know like what she did to him. They didn't know if she was keeping him drugged or what the fuck. Filled him full of a bunch of poison. Yeah, she probably she was just real persuasive. Yeah. And she's like, oh, those kids, they're just trying to. Because he would say shit later on. Like, yeah. um, he didn't leave his kids any money in his will. Like, he left it all to her. And in his will, I think, or, you know, in something that he said, like, right before he died, he was basically like, those kids have just been draining me dry. Which, and his kids were like, what the fuck? We didn't even, like, we didn't know what he was talking about. Like, we never took any of his money. She was and we tried trying to help. Money, he yeah, prayer. she did. Yeah. And so they think that she turned him against them yeah. by basically saying, "Oh, they're just a bunch of vultures, and they're she trying was to take." So his she was money. real good at that. She evidently. was taking
0: his money, saying that it was them taking the money. Somehow. Yeah,
1: I think that's probably what she was doing. Yeah. So she had him completely fucking. And stoic. he wasn't all mentally there. Yeah, and I—that's what it was. He was older, and she probably had him on some weird ass drugs and shit like that too. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so this old man dies, and she's like cashing in money like on his name. The cops couldn't figure out the cause of death because. Marjorie had hit power of attorney on this dude and had him cremated before they could do anything. So she actually did get arrested and she got charged with uh, fraud and forgery for faking his signature, but she just got probation. Now, three years after that, uh, she went and tried to get out of the probation so she could go to an assisted living facility, but the judge said uh, no. So as far as I know now marjorie would be 91 years old as far as i know she's still alive i couldn't find her obituary i did find the obituary of her sister jennifer who died a few years ago um but as far as I know, Marjorie is still alive and is probably still living in Tucson, Arizona. Uh, probably still burning shit down, I'd imagine, because you can still do that when you're old.
0: <laughs> At ninety-one, that bitch yeah. is
1: sleeping most of the time. Probably. I hope so. Jesus yeah. Christ! All the shit she did. Holy yeah. crap! She just like ruined so many people's lives. I can't imagine. <laughs> um, weirdly, and I didn't, I couldn't find anything about this. But they put um, in the back of this book. There's like a little epilogue, and there's like a um, article from the Minneapolis Star Tribune. And this is so weird. So in 1999, Christy Caldwell O'Neill, who was the daughter of Roger Caldwell, who, if you'll remember, was uh, Marjorie's second husband, who was convicted and exonerated of killing her adopted mom. So his daughter may have allegedly suffocated her own mother, Roger's ex-wife, who he was married to before Marjorie, with a pillow just like Roger had allegedly done to Elizabeth. And then Christy kept her mom, who was 65, in the house for two weeks, buried beneath a bunch of salt in a cardboard coffin in the basement. Hmm. And once they found the body, like once the cops found the body, um, Christy was found dead in her car, apparently after having committed suicide. Hmm. And that was Roger Caldwell's daughter. Hmm. Isn't that fucking weird? Yeah. Holy crap. So, yeah. So, honestly, so, like I said, the family um, in the trust, like, after Elizabeth died, uh, the Glensheen Mansion was donated to the University of Minnesota Duluth. Um, I believe there was kind of, like, a period where, you know, her relatives or her, uh, you know, descendants and stuff could live in the house at their discretion or whatever. But they, after a time, they... um, you know donated it so people could come and tour it um so two years after the murder they actually opened it for public uh tours and things like that but as i said they don't usually talk about the murder on the tour unless you specifically ask them about it because they don't really want to focus on that so that was that fucking wasn't that fucking crazy
0: that's interesting that
1: fucking bitch man Yes, yeah, thank you to
0: for sending this to us. That's this the,
1: I got super case. into this. I was just I was reading all kind yeah. of shit. I'm like, oh my god, I can't fucking believe this lady.
0: If any of y'all have any weird cases you want us to talk about, you can send us the books or the information, or at least a fucking um, a link to you know uh, some kind of case that Jen can research and we'll we'll do a show on it. We'll talk about it. But uh, yeah, this is the interesting one
1: because you don't hear yeah. a lot about because I feel this like this woman. Yeah. I guess you don't hear a lot about it because she was never convicted of murder. But had she been convicted of all the murders she was suspected of, she would for sure be a serial killer. This is a serial killer case. I mean, she's very yeah. serial. She killer. She fits
0: the profile. She, of uh, really, care big care. time, big time. Right.
1: Um, she yeah. even has the whole arson thing, arson, poisoning,
0: uh, manipulation. Manipulation. It's a long-term fraud, low, slow simmer that they do it's just like something out of the fucking 1800s
1: that's what it kind of reminded me of it reminded me of somebody like Belle Gunness or somebody like that well I mean Belle Gunness she was a lot more upfront with the shit she would just hit you in the head with a shovel and take all your stuff and just bury you but this was a
0: very common phenomenon in the 1800s it's yeah it was but it kind of tapered off in in, uh, more modern times 1800s 1900s you didn't hear this
1: kind of shit died off but she's like a she's like a blast from the past, and it's like yeah. as it's weird to me because as blatant as the shit that she was doing was, it seems like they could never really pin anything on her. Yeah, I mean they didn't really get her until they got her for arson, and she was yeah. like sixty years old at that point. Yeah, think of all the shit that she had probably done up to then. Had she been alive today, she would have
0: been doing something like Munchausen by proxy
1: yeah she seemed to like I mean, she gave me that vibe too because especially with all the shit about I think she was keeping Wally sick all that time and telling everybody he had cancer when he didn't yeah
0: Munchausen by proxy.
1: and the thing and she also said she would also kind of exaggerate um, well she said that her son was it Rick or Steven I think it was Ricky um, said that he had real bad asthma now he said that he did and like he couldn't do stuff but I think she was exaggerating like how bad his health was you know what yeah. I mean? Like, so she was one of those people It's just like, oh my God, he's fucking dying when maybe it wasn't really that bad. So she seemed very attention seeking. There was that. How long was the show? Uh, It's 1030 now. So three Two hours. And hour, so three hours. Three hours. About okay. three
0: hours. You ready to go get something to eat tomorrow? Yeah, I would like well, to wait tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, we're we're going to get something to eat tomorrow. We'll either do, you want to do Thai or you want to do Mexican?
1: I don't know. We'll see how what mood I'm in tomorrow. Okay. Because I don't, I don't really know. Either one.
0: We got to do the fucking mail though. I got. All right, you got to drop off the fucking.
1: um, I know you got returns. I got returns. Like I I I said, that you got to do. And then Saturday. Yeah. We. I have to go to my stepdad's. I'll take you there. Funeral. Yeah. Yeah. At noon. We'll go. So.
0: Okay, I shut it down.
1: Yeah, we we can shut it down. God. Um. So, yeah. So, thank you very much to Keylips uh, slash Mutt for sending us the books. Like I said, I had never heard of this case, and this shit was, like, fucking fascinating. I I think I read that book, like, in, I read it in two, like, big chunks. I read, like, half of it, like, just, and then I read the other half of it, like, before the show. And I was just like, this is fucking crazy. She's said
0: her dressing room, reading it
1: yeah I, well yeah she's on the floor with the cat well because well, the light is good in there Yeah, he came in and laughed at me because I was sitting on the floor like by the window because the light's not yeah. great in here it's kind of too dark for me to read because I can't see all that good yeah. so I would go in my dressing room next door because there's a real big window and it's bright so I was sitting there by the window and like Bambi came in and like just curled up like next to me so I'm sitting <laughs> there like on the floor like with Bambi like, like when I'm reading the book and stuff Tom's like what the fuck are you doing sitting on the floor and I'm just like I can't see in my office." But yeah, so, but it was a really good, both of the books were really good, but that one was like fucking fascinating, and I can't believe that I never heard of this case because this shit's insane.
0: Yeah, too, she, she outlived everyone.
1: <laughs> yeah, she's still, I, as yeah. far as I know, she's still alive. I couldn't yeah, find yeah. her obituary. Yeah. I found her sister's obituary, Jennifer, yeah. but I didn't find hers, so as far as I know, she's still alive. She's yeah. out. She's not in prison anymore. Justice was not served. So she you know. got out in 2004, yeah. and then she was on probation for yeah. several years, yeah. too.
0: Seemingly, justice was not served, as far as we know.
1: No, like I said, I think she killed a lot more people and set a lot more fires than she got uh, convicted for. So, and she only ended up serving 10 years in prison for all of the shit that he did, which she did, which is insane. Um, But yeah, so we're going to wrap it up. I might stream tomorrow because I do have a movie review prepared. Uh, It's actually for the 2022, 2023 movie called Brooklyn 45, which is on um, Shudder. So if you want to watch that, I might talk about it tomorrow. Uh, it's actually good. It's set during like right after World War II, and it's like a séance type movie. Yeah, um, and I quite liked it. So
0: and you know, based on what we said today, we really ought to work out some kind of a Mae West show. Mm. Maybe you should put that in, in, in. Yeah, let me write that under here. Yeah, put that put that in the running, and they'll vote on it. But I would love to do a show on Mae West. I would too, actually. Mae West was fucking, uh, she was quite a player and way ahead of her time. And there was a lot of funny shit. And on YouTube, there's a lot of fucking cool clips of Mae West saying some shit back in the 30s, all right, that you can relate to. You're like, yeah, yeah, that's the way it really is. Because she was a realist, especially when it came to sex.
1: Yeah, Yeah, she's just a good character. I kind of feel like if you transported her to modern times, she would probably fit right in. Oh, yeah, she'd and, love it. And we could, like, hang out. She'd love it today. She'd be, like, she'd like be on that. OnlyFans. Oh, big time. <laughs> yeah. she Like I said, she would fit right in. She's just like, oh, okay, we have this now. All right. and um, I can do that.
0: As be, being in the fitness scene and being kind of a, a, a bodybuilder myself, fucking West introduced uh, fucking bronze era or maybe silver era bodybuilding to the masses because she liked muscle. She liked raw man muscle. She didn't care what race it was. As long as you looked good, she'd go out with you. And that was a lot of her fucking shtick later on, is to have muscle men around her. They probably wouldn't be muscle men compared by today's standards, but uh, she liked dudes that were shirtless and. She'd tell jokes and fucking go, yeah, that's all beef there. You know, well, she was she
1: just, just kind of like getting back. Because, you know, there's been a long thing of like dudes with like all these hot, hot women. Like, on their, nah, she's nah, like, she's man, a, I'm going to do that yeah, fuck that's shit. Exactly she flipped what she, it around.
0: She was bringing female sexuality to, to the
1: mainstream of like. And everybody's like, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah we no. like meat too. You know what I mean? And that, sure. was, that was her game. Yeah. yeah. Not was, quite uh, in the same way, but I don't, similar. It's not that different. No. Not that different.
0: Positive sexism. You know, she was saying what she liked. Yeah, yeah, which is that—that's cool. That's a woman's prerogative.
1: Sure. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, we should do a show about her. I I'll, I'll put it. I'll put it she in. She was poll. a great character. Yeah. The poll's going up Friday morning. If okay. You're, right. As always, if you're because I am doing a poll this week. I didn't do one this week because we were doing this topic because I wanted to, but um, yeah, the poll goes up Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern time on Patreon and on YouTube. So if you're a YouTube member or you're on our Patreon, then you can vote in the poll as always. Yeah. Uh, so that will go up Friday morning and I will put anth- the anthrax thing and May West in the poll. Yeah. Among other things. So we'll see what wins. All right. So as I said, I might do a movie review tomorrow, probably in the afternoon. We'll see how it goes. Cause I do have one kind of ready to go. And I guess that will do it for the show. Like I said, thank you again, mutt slash tequilips for sending us the books. I really did like them and I didn't know anything about this case and this was crazy as shit. So hopefully you guys enjoyed it as much as we enjoyed talking about it. And we will see you guys again, both of us will see you again on Friday night.